the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Big things going on here at the Capitol as we open. Paul Calvert was over on the Senate side just a moment ago. Big vote was taken, and a big defeat was uh, expunged after the vote was taken. What went down over there, Paul? Well, I sat and watched it for a while, and um, some, I believe it was Senator Bond offered an amendment to um, reduce the amount that um, the taxes would be cut. It failed. The amendment failed. And then they went ahead and voted on the, the full bill. This was the, the governor's tax, tax plan. plan. Okay. And um, and so then they took the vote. And I, I think it was 26 yeas and several nays and several just not voting. And I, I believe it required a three-quarters majority to pass this because of the, the type of bill that it was. And it just didn't just didn't pass. And um, so then, after the after it didn't pass, they they called to expunge the vote, and then they I believe they did actually which is achieve, legal, which is legal, right, right. So they expunged the vote, and they just did that by a voice vote, and so the expungement passed, and so I assume they will try to vote on it again and get and try to get enough to actually um, to pass it next time. I, 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 how, I, do we know how many people were not in the chamber when the vote was taken? I, I, I'm, I'm just guessing by the fact that I think there was five that didn't vote. I'm guessing there was approximately five, but I don't know for sure. Um, I should have gotten a, a picture of the screen just to see who, were, who the no votes were, and um, but I just they didn't, they didn't leave it up very long. So yeah, so we don't know who didn't vote because uh, not voting ends up being it's counted as a is, no is a no vote, right? Especially you got to have X amount of votes to get right. the three quarter threshold, right? You know, if you're not in your seat and voting, you're causing, you, you know, they don't look at that and say, well, look, we're, we only got 30 people here. Normally right. we have 35. We only have 30. So three quarters is you only need this many. Right. It's not a. It's That's not, not how they do it's it. It's not three quarters of those president. president it's three quarters of those 35. elected. That's or correct. Three quarters of the seats. Yeah, you just uh, you just missed it. Some people were not present for the vote on the governor's tax plan, and it failed in the Senate. Because, as you know, Marty, that a not present, not being there, is as good as a no vote. That's exactly right. So yeah. they, they, they had 30 guys there, and they didn't get three quarters of those 30, which is, which is understandable because you know at that point... None of the Democrats are going to vote for it. I'm assuming so, and so so there and there were there were a couple, two or three Democrats that got up and spoke against it. Um, let's see, I think it was Senator Chesterfield. She, I think she what spoke against it. What a big surprise! It. Oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. Senator Bond spoke against it. What a surprise! And Senator Elliott spoke against what it. What a bigger surprise! And then Jason Rapert got up and spoke in favor of it. That's with, a big and, surprise. And he, he made an <laughs> he made an interesting. <laughs> comment i think he got up after senator bond did and um so i think senator bond was kind of pointing out some of the um shortcomings of arkansas as far as various different um 
maybe um, rankings in school and whatever else. Of and, course, and it, money will solve it. Well, and, and so Jason Rapert made the point, and it was, and it was kind of taken a little bit of a. Um, he made sort of a, a cutting point. It was kind of interesting. He was pointed out that Arkansas had about 135 years of Democrat rule to get there. And so he was kind of making the point that it takes a little bit to, to reverse some of those problems. And that, that, that point was kind of stinging. And you could kind of hear the, hear the um, emotion through the room as, it, as he made the point. And it was well, rather interesting. And rightly so. I'm glad he did that. Because people have to understand, for 135 years, the Democrats have been in control in the state. They have spent inordinate amounts of money, passed laws saying that we have to spend inordinate amounts of money, and it's not given a squat, period, point, blank. When the Republicans try to run things like, uh, you know... um, public school reform or, you know, allowing um, scholarships, as they they call them now, I, you know, where you get your money that you, your kid is worth at the school right, right. and take it wherever you want to go to. It's always, always the Democrats that lead the way to defeat that. Always. Well, not sometimes, right, not most of the time. It's always well, but the, the time. The public school system is a major campaign tool for the Democrat Party. If they didn't have public schools to keep the the people voting for the Democrats, I, I don't think the Democrat Party would. I, I think they'd have a hard time keeping up twenty five percent of the of the representatives in the whole country right now if yeah. they didn't have public education to, to well, campaign for them. Yeah, we've made some marginal improvements as far as the public schools. As far as one of them was getting rid of the uh, the testing that they were doing, uh, they were had some terrible testing that they were doing that wasn't worked. And and I think they have a little more educational freedom where people can trying to get the funding that they pay in to take their kids to other places, but. Uh, Not much, because the Democrats I, I, stop that left and right all the time. I know it. We're, uh, either the Republicans don't have the numbers or the fortitude. Uh, it's it's sad to see how slow the progress has been, really. We've well, had four was, years, and and uh, we'd like to see some Well, last year big I, was, moves. I was really, really disappointed that so many Republicans voted against changing uh, you know, and, and fighting against charter schools, against school choice. I mean, school choice should be a slam, a, dunk. A slam dunk. And we had a lot of, uh, of uh, Republicans, you know, Del Rosa and others that uh, voted against it and spoke out against it. You know, th- that's embarrassing, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, the majority of, of Republicans seem to be. I don't know what's going on other than it's the, the unions out there uh, fighting that. Well, it's, it's a big emotional battle for people, I think, and it's it's one of those things. Emotional? That, what? Emotional how? <laughs> how? That Status we suck quo. as a state well, with, uh, with the public schools and we refuse to do the things that are necessary to make them better? I, I, I don't understand the emotions, but but for whatever reason, people are... I'll tell, well, I can... Let me explain, explain them to you, all right? There's all these dollar signs <laughs> that they that, that come out of the doors of, you know, the education uh, the money, union, yeah. and they're paying for people to get reelected. That's the emotions they have. How do I keep my power? How do I keep my check here? Then Walmart gets involved. 
Walmart gets involved in lobbies for... And they're as bad as as the Democrats are. You know, just like they say, the people that are in power right now benefit from the most from the way things are. And we're going to have to have some more radical change for, for educational freedom, for health insurance freedom, for... Uh, even in gun rights freedom. And uh, so I, well, we're seeing very little change. By the way, by the way, I wanted to, uh, I won't say we've seen very little, but I mean, we've made some marked improvements in some areas. There's other areas we haven't made squat. I'll be honest with yeah, you. Health care being yeah, one yeah, of them. Yeah, that's one of them. Health care, we, we are worse off right now than we were four years ago yeah. in health care. So here's, here's what we got uh, I wanted to mention. Uh, the Jan Morgan is not here today. She's not here because last night in, I think, Hot Springs, she was accosted along with her daughter by some meth head. Uh, and her words, not mine. All right. That's how she described the person who who challenged them. Uh, Jan, not the right person to challenge. <laughs> and uh, she brought them into basically submission by drawing down on them. And the person was arrested. I don't think any shots were fired. But uh, her daughter wanted uh, was going back uh, tomorrow uh, to where she's at. I don't know whether it's school or, or whatever. Uh, but uh, Jan said her, her daughter wanted her to give her a, a brushing up on. She was kind of shaken up. Yeah, well, she was shaken up, but she wanted some brushing up on. Uh, protection mm-hmm. things to do, and so Jen's doing that right now. So I don't have any problem with that. I said, "We'll see you next Tuesday." Bullseye, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Calamity Jane, right here in uh, in Arkansas. Anyway, no, I'm. I'm Me and Paul's gone in for for Jen's training. You guys we, have, we had I a ball. To, I man. didn't get to go. I love to have gone. Your daughter did fantastic. Oh, yeah. My daughter enjoyed it more than as much as I did. Yeah. I had a 14-year-old daughter that went to one of Jen's tactical pistol classes. And, man, you talk about somebody that had fun. She had fun. So I'm trying to say, <laughs> I'm going to try to send uh, J.R. Davis uh, a quick message here and see which Republicans did not show today. And... Uh, how many votes we were short by uh, to get the governor's tax plan taken care of. Because I didn't, from what I could tell, there was nobody that was against this. I think I, I it all it came was, down to five people weren't there. Well, it sounds, when I was Is it, listening to the testimony there from the various different senators, they made it sound like it was going to pass. Yeah. Well, they, they probably they, did, except they, they didn't count that there was five people I not I, I don't know. There. I, maybe they just... All of them must can, have been Republicans. Is it maybe less they, than last year's budget? Uh, I can't remember. No, no, the budget's going up, I'm pretty sure. But supposedly it's a so-called tax cut. Revenue's up, but taxes are supposedly down. But revenue, just because revenue is up does not necessarily mean it it was because taxes went up. Right. The the rates are going down if this passes, but the the revenue is still going up. All right, let's get a break. Let's do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 17 minutes after... Uh, 2 o'clock, we're live at the Capitol. We're on the third floor, house side. Everybody's walking around like now, and they're talking, and they're they're uh, doing their thing. We'll, we'll talk to you more about this. Ballinger's going to be by today. Uh, who else is coming by? Pilkington, 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 Pilkington is, supposed is supposed to be coming by once the house closes. We'll talk about Stand Your Ground. All that's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
All right, we're back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Boy, everybody's gathering and talking and talking things over and what went down. We're hearing a little bit of scuttlebutt going down. Did you did you hear out there in the hallway people were talking about I saying... I we can get an answer from Bob Ballinger here. There's a couple of people that are not happy with some different things. Let's see, first time that I'll say this, so make sure I don't screw it up, all right? <laughs> Joining us today is Senator Ballinger. I, you know, I have a hard time not calling myself Representative Ballinger. So. <laughs> uh, that's all I've known you as, so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to see you uh, here and calling you Senator, but congratulations on that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I think it. I texted you when you won. Congratulations. But what happened just now in the Senate chambers? That is a good question. So... Um, usually when you have that kind of thing show up, somebody's doing some horse trading. So, um, you know, to sit there in your seat and not vote one way or another, I, don't, I mean, you know, I'm, I, they're my colleagues. I don't want to speak bad of them, but it, it definitely seems like um, like probably should have got that figured out beforehand. Um, we are the most overt tax state in the South. We spend more money per citizen in the state of Arkansas than any of our surrounding states. Our, our tax income tax is the highest of all the surrounding states. Do you, we need to do something to fix that, and, and it, it seems like this is kind of not the right, right time to play games. So. Do, you know, do you know that it's interesting that per capita we have a higher tax rate than Massachusetts? That, that doesn't surprise me. We're, we're near the top on all of them, oh. or the bottom, depending on how you define it. We're, we're terrible. And and we've taken steps. You know, from the well, they, you know, the... Um, uh, Senator Bond mentioned that we've we've cut five hundred million dollars. That's great, and that's about half as much as what we should have cut over start. that time period. So anyway, mm-hmm. you know, I I think definitely we need to do it gradual and over time. And and maybe there are things about this tax provision that I don't don't love, but we have to be doing something. And I just I, to me it seems crazy that it didn't just pass. Now, is it this particular tax cut measure, or is it something that's sitting out there in the in the future? that maybe people don't want to see come up the way that a, a, a future bill is going to be presented? I, you know, I don't know. And, and that's the thing you, you'd have to talk to them. But, you know, typically what you see is something like that, that maybe people have their own own tax cuts that they want to make sure that gets included in the package. And, and it didn't get included, and so you hold out on this vote in order to get. But, but honestly, all that is just speculation. I have, have no clue. It, so. was, it seemed like it was kind of a surprise because when I heard, heard the testimony there on the floor from several of the senators, some of them, some of them that it seemed like they considered a foregone conclusion it was going to pass today. Yeah, and, and I, think, I, think it is, I think it's still going to pass. I think maybe, you know, the, the fact that it didn't pass today just means that it, it gives an opportunity for people to, to try and will and deal. But mm-hmm. we made it really clear that, it, you know, if you want to want to swap votes on for one thing and something else, do it on something besides this bill. You know, we need we need everybody's vote on it. So so I don't know. You know, we'll see how it turns out. Now, I, I, Every fight's not my fight. So I'll, I'll continue <laughs> voting for tax cuts as long as I get them in front I, of me. I do know that uh, in the past. At a time when you were state representative, the Republicans have used that technique to hold things up. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I came in, um, and we were in a majority. 
but it was a majority that just really didn't operate like a majority. No. And there, and there, and there is definitely time. <laughs> yeah, I've withheld a few votes in order to try to uh, accomplish some stuff, but typically it was, you know, I'd withhold my vote on the DHS budget in order to try to cut the Medicaid expansion, right? I mean, it's, right. It, had, it had to do with that legislation. But uh, honestly, like I said, I, I don't know what their motivations are. I just know that, you know, we're, we've kind of worked to try to make sure that as a caucus we, we could work together on this one, and it just didn't work that way. All right. By the way, I want to thank you for working with uh, Senator Hammer and getting things ready for the freedom of speech bill that'll come up before committee tomorrow. Yeah. You're pretty. You're pretty I'm sure about it. About that. Well, this is the thing. This is what I've told people: is when it seems like all the pieces have come together, that's when they usually all fall apart. Right. <laughs> So um, what I would say is, as of right now, it's like I think that we've got kind of all the players on board. Higher ed doesn't love it, but they don't they don't hate it, and they they see it as a as a reasonable compromise. And, and it seems like we've got everybody else kind of on board and and, and in line. So you know, you see um, Senator Hammer and and Robert Steinbach both have their hand in this and help make it a better piece of legislation. Um, and we, we crafted it in such a way that we could kind of still have a strong piece of legislation, but something that provides some flexibility to higher ed so that they can can continue to operate and, and do business, you know, educating students. So anyway, it, it, isn't, it isn't over after we get this passed. Hopefully we'll get it passed. You know, we still need to be vigilant and watch and make sure that it, it, uh, it continues to go the direction that this legislation intends for it to go. But I definitely think it's a good piece of legislation and in, in, in the right start. Well, you know how much I hate, you know, these uh, free speech zones and stuff. Right. They need to go away. They do. I mean, free speech zones exist in the United States of America from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean, from the border with Canada to the border with Mexico. Yeah, as far as universities now, the free speech zone is the university campus. And so they now have the opportunity to, to speak, and, and that will be, and I say now, obviously we've got to get the legislation passed. Right. But, uh, you know, we had a lot of great groups that all kind of got together to, to make it happen. It, I mean, it just sort of was the right time. So I'm, I'm I got a friend that I'm going to try to bring here. If this passes through both cha- chambers assigned by the governor, I'm going to ask Ben Shapiro to come to Arkansas and give a speech. So. I would love that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fanboy of Ben Shapiro. Yeah, he's so a buddy a of mine, so we'll oh, see good, if okay. he doesn't show up. Well, if you do, you got to at least give me a chance to... I'll let fact, you shake his hand. How's that one? Yeah, that'll be good. My, my <laughs> wife even loves him more than me, so you'll have to love He's a to great guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's maybe, been a part maybe, of my show since he was 16. Get him to come on homeschool day? I can't, I can't promise, promise that. that. My guess is he's a little bit busy. When he wants he to, he'll, be, he'll yeah. come on the day he wants to come. That's the way I, <laughs> I approach those kinds of things. Yes. I'll probably see him at CPAC here in a, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks if he's got time. He yep. used to not be this popular. Now he's like unbelievably popular. Well, he, he tells you every day it's the fastest uh, and and most listened to conservative talk show or whatever. Yeah, you know, his about, podcast. About podcast. Yeah, yeah, he's yep. doing 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 well. Yeah. So what are what are you working on now? I think you were bringing uh, Ballinger over to talk about yeah, so you've gun got, rights. You've got a gun bill that that so so apparently another issue on college campuses is that police officers while they're going to school, the, the college administrators or whoever they are are telling them you can't carry. Yeah, it, and I don't know how widespread that problem mm-hmm. is, but it, there's one officer that it had a pretty profound impact on here in Little Rock, and that's enough to me to say, okay, we need to provide some clarity on it. And and there, there are actually some amendments that should get engrossed today that, mm-hmm. that actually will, will make it even a little more clear right. that that's what, what we're doing. But basically, you know, if a if an officer, certified officer, has, has the... Uh, 
you know, they have now have the ability to carry open and concealed, whether on duty or off duty, right? And says um, anywhere the, basically. The law says permissible is permissible for them, but we've got some some uh, government officials in some areas saying, well, we're going to make rules you can't do it, right? And and the, so the bill now uh, actually makes it clear that you got to promulgate rules to allow for them to do it. I mean, uh, what we're talking about, I mean, all, we're, we're talking about trying to hire more security guards, hiring more officers at, in schools. But then we have these certified officers out there that are going into some of those places already. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay them any more money since right. they're going to be there. And now you got a law enforcement officer in, in that area if, you know, heaven forbid anything happens. So mm-hmm. so I think that it's a, I think it's smart and in particular it's just it, it makes life a little bit easier for our law enforcement officers. Yeah. Guy was forced to drop out of school basically. That's exactly what happened. Yep. I know the story. Yep. And, and, and when I heard that, you know, um, and, and once again, it's Professor Steinbach who shared that. It, it really made me kind of pause like it seems pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And so ho- hopefully we got that fixed now. Cool. Or we'll have that fixed. All right. got to take a break. Can you stay with us just a sure. few more moments? Yeah, okay. yeah. I've got a meeting, but we're good. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back right after the news. It's the Dave Ellswick Show live at the uh, General Assembly. We're on the third floor, House side. We'll be back with more with uh, Senator Ballinger. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind you that PI Roofing and Home Solutions now owns Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services as well. And if you've been a customer of Tommy's, you can uh, be sure that PI Roofing plans on continuing their great service with their great people at PI Roofing and Cleaning Services. And with that recent purchase... By PI Roofing and Home Solutions, customers of Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services now can expect to get more along with uh, that high-quality gutter cleaning service. You also get PI Roofing's uh, comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise. Check out more at uh, piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. All right, coming back here to uh, the state capitol, we're on the third floor house side. And meeting with uh, Senator Bob Ballinger and State Representative Aaron Pilkington. Aaron Pilkington. We we thought we had him last Tuesday, but you forgot, didn't you? No, I just I had meetings run over. There you go. Okay. That's see. That's what's good if you serve. You can always plead the meetings went long. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's all right. And there are all, and there are to- tons of meetings. Did we give him a microphone? Oh, he's got he's got the headsets on. Yep. Did we turn? We need to turn his up a little bit there. Or I don't you, know which you, one we you, are. Can you pull your head, your mouthpiece a little closer? Can you pull it closer, maybe. There, now I can hear you. Okay, now we hear you, kid. All right, we want to make sure we can hear you, Bob. You you were talking about uh, the piece of legislation that you're running that says if you're a a duly elected or or hired Certified. law enforcement officer. You can wear your gun to class is basically what you're saying. That's right. A certified law enforcement officer can carry it basically anywhere in the state, it, it, which, honestly, I think that was the intent of the legislation previously, and, and maybe it's been interpreted as being um, being more permissive um, and not, not, not you know, an absolute situation. So, I, I mean, honestly, I, I think it's going to be relatively non-controversial when, uh, when we run it because I think most people agree that more law enforcement officers, more places – with uh, armed and, and ready to protect, it just makes more sense. It's free security. That's right. 
Yeah, when you're hiring more security guards on the campuses and in high schools and whatever, and then you say, oh, sorry, I know that you carry a gun for your job. You can't carry it in here. That's right. And and, and I appreciate the security guards, but these actually are more, these are certified law enforcement officers. Yes, he is. He's so, a police officer. Right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you put this forward. When is it going to be heard for the first time? Uh, we have an amendment that I think is going to be read tomorrow across the desk, so it probably won't be ready to actually run until, um, I bet not until next Tuesday. Okay. Although it's possible we could meet tomorrow afternoon and it could be ran. So as, as soon as we get it all organized ready to go, I'm, I'm ready to run it. So. Okay. And now in the Senate, gun bills go to a different place than yeah, they used to. Yeah, most of them go to the city county local. Okay. Yeah. And that's where this is going. Yep. Okay. Yep. Just one, it used to be judicial. Now it doesn't go to judicial anymore. That, that's right. Yeah. All right. Now the other gentleman that we said was here. Mm-hmm. He's got a really good piece of legislation. Yes, sir, he does. He's got a stand-your-ground piece of legislation, and you're finding out what it's like not to be popular in the in the marble hallways around here. Have you been, you know, a lot of people coming up and saying, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, uh, I had a big piece <laughs> of health care legislation last time that was going to be very controversial, but then in the end, you know, it, it didn't end up being even though it was a pretty consequential piece of legislation and this time it's i feel like it's the opposite you know we're not doing anything that's too outlandish we're just making our laws very similar to our surrounding states and the majority of states in the united states but uh somehow it has caught the controversy by itself um you know but it's one of those things we've been working with a lot of stakeholders trying to get this to be exactly how it was supposed to be it was supposed to run today but uh blr has just been your blood research has been kind of backed up so i wasn't able to keep my amendment in time I just, you know, I want to make sure that members on the committee had time to understand the amendment, know what they're voting on. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think we're good policymakers when we kind of rush things in the middle of the night and change things up and then give the people appropriate time to see how it works. But, um, you know, it's one of those issues where, you know, an overwhelming majority of our Kansans support this. You know, there unfortunately is a loud group of liberal activists in the state that want to do everything that they can kill it. And unfortunately, uh, you know, there's people who are unwilling to support it because of that, because they're afraid of those kind of people, and, uh, which is sad. Um, you know, we're going to sit down here to do a job and to get things done, and I think this helps our Kansans be able to protect their property and, and protect themselves and their loved ones. And, um, you know, all the things they say is going to happen, apparently it's not happening in any other states around us. So um, I had a conversation this morning with someone saying, why do we need this? And, you know, and I showed them a map of the United States, and I mean, they were shocked when uh, California has a better stand your ground stance than Arkansas. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. That is kind of crazy. So, so what, what are they afraid of? So, so it's funny. I get kind of two arguments. One is this the Wild movie. West. Yes. It's either going to be this Wild West that we're going to create here in Arkansas, which you haven't seen in any other state. Uh, that has these laws. And then there's also kind of the argument is, oh, well, you don't need to run this because it's not going to change anything. So I, I kind of laughed to myself. It's like, so I've got a bill that amazingly will change everything about Arkansas and at the same time do not. So, um, and I think it's just people talking out of both sides of their mouth and, uh, you know, anything they can do to try to kill this law. And that's uh, that's unfortunately where So, So let me th- see if I actually get this straight. So currently in Arkansas, we have a, a law that requires me to run away if someone threatens me, assuming that I have the ability to run away safely. Is that... Yes. And this is your 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 bill essentially makes it so I don't have to give up my rights and run away. Yeah, so if you're in a situation where uh, you think that your, your life's in danger and you currently have to have a... You have a duty to retreat to go to a safe area. Now, granted, there's a caveat if you can't get away, right. you know... 
and you know, for whatever reason can't get away, that you're allowed to use daily force, which I agree with 100%. Uh, but unfortunately, that's so subjective. And the problem with that is it, it makes people have to determine in a split-second decision about am I legally protected mm-hmm. to defend myself here. And I just don't think that's right. I think there's case and scenarios where um, people feel that they have a right to defend themselves and, oops, found out they were right. supposed to be treated as and, and in all of these cases, we're talking about someone who is essentially f- threatening to commit a felony against you. Right. And the state has come along and basically said that you're obligated to run away from this felon rather than defend yourself in cases where you have the opportunity to run away. Yeah, and so, you know, that's just, I mean, it's just one of those issues where I think most are things to believe we're a state your ground state, and most are actually shocked when they find out we're not, because in reality, um, you know, we that's kind of the culture we've got here. If someone's threatening you and your family, you have a right to defend yourself, and especially in this thing about the law, too, so, you know, you have to legally be there. You know, it's not you're somewhere you shouldn't be. Right, right. You yeah. shouldn't be, and so now you're going to take force to and, you know, I've been working uh, with a bunch of stakeholders, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we're about some amendments, so we're, you know, trying to make it as clear as we can, because that's the biggest problem right now, is there's not clarity. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to create clarity in the world. And so, um, you know, I had one person uh, look at this and go, man, to me, this just seems more like a cleanup bill than anything mm-hmm. else. And it's like, you know, um, in reality it is, because most of us feel that we... we uh, that this is already on the books. Unfortunately, they found out it's not. And the last thing they need is someone taking, you know, defending themselves. And the next thing you know, they're winding up in jail yep, because you've right. got a prosecutor who disagrees with the decision you made in a split second of whether to defend right. yourself or not in a life and death situation. So, right. um, you know, to me, that just doesn't make sense. And that doesn't follow what the people of Arkansas Well, want. and generally speaking, the, the problem is that somehow we got a law on the books where it basically requires law-abiding citizens to give up their rights and run away. Instead of staying where they are and maintaining what they're doing, which, which is lawful, yeah. it's, like you said, there's the caveat that you have to be doing something. You have to be engaged in a lawful activity and being in a place in a lawful manner. And, too, and you can't be the aggressor either. And so a lot of people have kind of had concerns about that. And, and what's funny is I found a lot of people come up and say, well, I've got a concern about this or concern about that. And then it comes out they didn't read the bill. Right. And so, you know, I say, you know, you, you can't be an aggressor in this situation. You know, you can't be someone who goes up to your neighbor and starts shoving them and punching them. And, and then, then run away. Then, then your neighbor, you know, pulls out a gun on you and then you shoot your neighbor and go, I was, def- you know, I was standing my ground. No, you were an aggressor in that situation. You were, cr- you were committing assault, which is a mm-hmm. crime, and you're not able to do that. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to be obeying the law, be where you're legally allowed to be. And, uh, you know, when people hear that, they go, okay, well, that makes sense. And so, um, you know, it's, it's funny to be painted as some radical down here. I'm no Bob Ballinger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <now>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing is that the, the truth is that he, he has been just as radical as me. He's just done a better job of keeping his head low. <laughs> but no more. Now he's just as bad. <laughs> now you're out in the front all the time. Yeah, you know, ahead. sometimes it's not safe. You know, I'm putting myself in scenarios that you're talking about with someone coming up to you at my business or different places. There's times when you do not want to turn your back on a group of people and, and try to to, to uh, run because yeah. that would be the most dangerous thing you can do. So sometimes I've stood up, stood my ground when I was unarmed because I thought that was the safest thing to do because if I tried to leave, I was quite sure that they would pursue me. Yeah, and that's you know an issue I I always saw with the dude to retreat is you know even if 
you know, you could reasonably say you could get back into your house or into your car, into your property. I mean, the minute you turn, how do you know you're not going to end up with a bullet in your back? Yeah. Um, and I'm just, you know, people are saying this is going to somehow, you know, that this law is going to make us unsafe, or I feel like the current law makes us unsafe because we're having to turn our backs on de- on deadly situations. Because we're afraid of being attacked by government when we don't give up our rights. Yeah, and, and what do what do I, I what do I always say? Better to be to to be tried by twelve than carried by six. That's the way I look at it. Well, I, I would prefer it neither. Them. You know, well, I, I, would, <laughs> right. I, I would rather not, not face prosecution for something that, that I should have a right to do anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just think it, anything you can do to allow, let people protect themselves mm-hmm. is the better thing to do. Yeah, and you know, we're in, you know, me and Bob, we represent really rural areas here. Most of us do because Arkansas is a rural state. You know, the response time by police, you know, no fault of their own. It's just. Um, a lot. You know, it's a lot. It's longer, and so it's one of those situations where you don't know what's going to happen in that in the ten twenty minutes you're waiting. And uh, you know, I've done ride-alongs with my local sheriff's office. Um, you know, kind of seeing what's going on. I mean, especially in Johnson County, you know, we're understaffed, and it's it's a shame. And I know, you know, those men and, and women are working the hardest they can with what they got. But um, you know, I mean, they're just done. You know. They're doing the best they can, and so are you going to say, "Well, tough, so sad," because you know someone down in Little Rock's afraid of someone taking <laughs> taking their own defense in their own hands, and I just don't think that's right. What, what's going on with the sheriffs' association? They've been some of the biggest outspoken folks on this piece of legislation, and to me, that makes no sense whatsoever. You know, so I've heard um, that they have issues with it. I, from the Sheriff's Association, I've never been contacted directly by them. Um, it's just through the grapevine, which I find very kind of... Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, I find that very kind of uh, sad. Now, I went to the Sheriff's meeting last Tuesday. I believe they had a evening event where they invited uh, the legislature to come. And I spoke with about eight sheriffs. My local sheriff, uh, Jimmy Stevens, he got a bunch of sheriffs around, and we talked about it. And, you know, it was kind of an informal meeting, but they told me issues they had and and things they were okay with. And so, and that's, you know, like I said, we, we've got an amendment to kind of clear up language and make it more clear. And that's kind of their point, too. It, you know, we actually talked to the people whose boots are on the ground. They go, you know, we want clarity in the law. And so that's what I'm trying to help provide to them. And so, um, you know, I I'm, I'm willing to sit down and talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I sat down and talked to the Prosecutors Association. I've sat down with uh, Everytown, which is an anti-gun group. I mean, I basically left that meeting saying we're never going to see eye to eye. Bloomberg's group. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I mean, I've always been willing to sit down with anyone because I think if you're going to do this job, you got to be willing to listen to the other, to, to every argument. And I think it makes you better at defending your argument when you know what the other side's going to say. Um, and it does, you know, it's a little aggravating when, you know, some groups, you know, 12th hour, all of a sudden say, oh, we've got issues with your legislation, right. and you're like, are you serious? I've, this bill was filed back in December, and you're just now letting me know, or you've never said anything to me at all, and I get heard through the grapevine that you're going to go speak against. I mean, I think that's being a ba- an actor in bad faith, especially down here. You know, we've got so much information flying at us. If you're going to behave that way, uh, you're going to find yourselves uh, on the list of a lot of people who are disgruntled with you. And, you know, we're all nice guys. We want to talk. We want to make sure that we bring as many people on board to create a coalition moving this forward. And, uh, you know, I just, um, it's a shame. But, you know, I'm, like I said, I heard their issues. I went to them. I went and talked to a lot of local sheriffs and, you know, heard their concerns because 
this is something that needs to get done, and we need to have clarity in the law. All right. One thing Go I would add to that. One thing I'd add to that is, you know, the he he has a responsibility. I have a responsibility to talk to my local sheriffs, and and I've my sheriffs in my district are great people, but uh, the majority of them in my district are Democrats. The majority of the sheriffs and the sheriffs association are Democrats. I mean, that's just you know they have a, a certain philosophy they come into. Most of the ones in my district are conservative Democrats, tend to be pro-Second Amendment. But at the same time, they, they come at it from a certain perspective. And so, you know, I, while the, it's absolutely important that we do listen to the association, it shouldn't surprise you if they take kind of a Democrat's position on a, on a piece of legislation. All right. Let me ask both of you one last question, and I'll let you both get back to work, and that's a simple one. Uh, the open carry legislation... There's a lot of people say because of the court case that went down earlier that this has been clarified. I say it's not been clarified. If it's not, is anything going to happen this session that you, either one of you are aware of that might clarify that? I mean, I'll say this, that the, as much as I appreciate the appellate court decision, it is just that. It's not a Supreme Court decision, so it doesn't offer any, any binding precedent to, to clear things up. I like the language. I hope other courts will adopt that language if they if there's other prosecutions. I mean, it, and it's right. So, you know, it's good that it happened, but it doesn't provide clarity. The truth is I've heard other people talk about doing it, but having made that effort in the past, I mm-hmm. just don't see – I don't feel like either side is really ready to, to come together. So I think that state police still doesn't like the idea of, of it being so public that we're a constitutional carry state, and the constitutional carry people aren't willing to adopt the, the limitations of the concealed carry permit holders. And, you know, as far as prohibited places, and so unless unless any either one of those give, I, I don't expect anything to happen. But if, if you know if Aaron, anyone can do it, Aaron can do it. <laughs> oh. I, uh, I I don't know about that. I'm already looking a lot, <laughs> but uh, you know I'm I'm glad to see Representative Brant Smith's uh, resolution, and uh, and I'll be supporting that. Yeah, that's good. All right, so, so guys, you- uh, we gotta let them okay. go. Yep. We gotta let them go. So we'll do that. I know that. Uh, you know, Bob is missing all big wind dig going on over there in the Senate right now. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have any wind dig, but I do have a meeting to talk okay. to somebody about a, a bill to help my people back home. So go I'm ahead go do and do that. Yeah. And we, Aaron, we thank you for coming by. My uh, pleasure to meet you for the first time. Yeah, it's nice to meet Come you. Come by too. some more. All right, all right. We'll see you all later. We'll take a quick break. You, we'll be back with more third floor it's on the House side, of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, hey, you know, you can learn little-known strategies that could help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis. From David Lucas of uh, David Lucas Financial, who's the host of the David Lucas Show, you hear it right here on 101.1 The Answer. David's a published author. He's right here in Little Rock, and this free analysis is going to reveal some little-known strategies that you're not familiar with, some loopholes that are out there that really could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401K, Social Security benefits, and more. So to get the free analysis, be one of the first 10 callers now at 501-653-6690. This is a great opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes and retirement. Call 501-653-6690, 501-653-6690. Well, guys, i got to tell you, that was disappointing to hear Senator Ballinger and the representative say that open carry is still going to be 
kind of a jaded eye look, and he even made the statement that the state police is going to kind of look the other way because they don't want it well, they clarified. Kind of, maybe not just look the other way, but fight it because they they don't want the, the clarification, which is... But there's nothing to is, fight yet legally. All you have is that one appellate decision right. that's sitting out there. But no, I, I, think, I think the implication was they would fight any legislation. Well, that, that and that up. and that's not there yet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing's, I nothing's I don't really disagree with you. I, I think to, they yeah. would fight against yeah. legislation. That's you know, I got to talk to a retired state trooper today, and I asked him about this bill and, and why some some of the people stand your ground. Uh, that we know uh, the open carry, open, open, open carry, carry okay. open carry. And uh, he gave me some insight. He said sometimes they get calls to go in and say, like, hey, somebody's at McDonald's with a gun acting crazy. Mm-hmm. So you don't ever know what that means. But so right. you're going into an active situation mm-hmm. to where there's a gun involved and someone is supposed to be a problem and they have right. to go in. They say if you go into that situation and you've got, you know, eight or ten people there with their guns open carrying and you're trying to assess the threat that they're looking at all these people carrying guns and trying to figure out which one may be the aggressor or whatever. With concealed carry, if you go in and one person's got his gun out and all the concealed holders have their guns concealed, it helps to identify who the threat or what the threat is. But if I'm a concealed gun owner and somebody has a gun out and is waving it around, Mine isn't going to be concealed any longer. That's exactly right. That threat would be solved before the police officer got you know, there. I'm just, I'm just, and probably the same thing, even though it was open carry. Right, but the thing, the thing is, though, I think part of the problem is that I, I, I think, but it gives you some insight. Yeah. Well, and, there, and that's a, that's a somewhat valid concern. But when we're talking about people that call in and say, you know, there's a guy with a gun, he's acting crazy. Well, what does that mean? What is acting crazy? I think they maybe they don't get, know. get a little more clarity. Is the person threatening people, or is he telling dirty jokes? Well, you know, they get threats that aren't even real. Somebody some could be mad lie. at me. Yeah, right. somebody right. could be mad at me and say, "Hey, that RD's running around with a gun and 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 and, and acting crazy. You need to go check RD out." Well. When they come to me, you know, if my gun's concealed, concealed, mm-hmm. they'll say, "Are you running around with a gun, acting crazy?" Well, no, nobody can even see my I'm gun. Cra- I'm acting crazy, but yeah. I got a concealed gun. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah. it, so uh, I enjoyed talking with him. It gave me a little insight on on their position, and and I can relate to what he's talking to in that particular situation. All right, let's take a quick break. We got the news coming up. Then we'll come back. Hey, Doyle man. Webb just came up here. We'll see what he's got in up his sleeve. We'll be talking to him when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You just never know who's going to stop by. Right, we had Doyle Webb just stop by. Didn't have time to go on the air. He had some meetings he was doing. Wanted to come by and say hello to everybody. And uh, we were just talking about what happened in the Senate earlier today. If you hadn't heard, something happened uh, in the first uh, few moments of the Senate today, and I'll turn it over to Paul. He'll talk about that. So so the um, Senate actually heard the governor's tax plan. It's, it's a, a small tax cut, and um, but it was the governor's plan, and the Senate heard it today. They, it was expected to pass, but it didn't. They didn't get enough votes for, for it to pass. I think it failed by probably two or three votes or so, and it just didn't pass. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so there was a there were a few senators that spoke forward and a few that spoke against it, and it was 
my impression was that it was kind of a foregone conclusion it was going to pass today, and it just simply didn't. And so that was kind of a, I think, kind of a surprise to some people. Yeah, probably was. A couple of Republicans did not vote. That's the equivalent of a no vote mm-hmm. is what happens. And you have to get like three quarters of the senators to agree to a tax bill like that. And they didn't have the necessary votes. And always a sign that they disagree with everything that's in the bill. But no. it's usually a Could sign that, there, in the that there's something like. that I want to talk to you about before we pass this. So there's a, there's probably be a, a few changes, tweaks here or there, and then it'll probably pass. But that's the way they say that I've got a change I want to make. Yeah, we won't. I'm, I'm not going to go far into it, but even the the chairman of the Arkansas Republican Party, Doyle Webb, who is sitting here, gave us some history on that and how that was used to get something done here not too, too much in the distant past. Yeah, a lot of times road, and I hadn't got a chance to look at the budget, but a lot of roads usually plays into the budget on what people are are uh, arguing yep. about. A lot of times it's road highway funding. Of course, this isn't really a funding bill. This is actually a tax plan, but it, it could have been maybe they've got another bill somewhere else that they're wanting to keep some leverage on. Well, I I think some that may have been, I don't think he wanted to get specific, but he kind of leaked it out a little bit to us from uh, Senator uh, Ballinger when he made the statement and carried on, what, about four or five minutes. And when somebody carries on four or five minutes on a certain thing, it's something that's irritating several people probably. (laughs) And we're an overtaxed state. Mm-hmm. He talked about that a lot. You guys heard him oh, yeah. talking. Of course we're overtaxed. And, uh, I mean, we're per capita, we're taxed more than Massachusetts is. And he said, we've, you know, he didn't understand exactly, I guess, why they picked this particular piece of legislation because it was a tax cut. But he uh, he looked at it and said there's something that they're wanting to cut in the future, evidently. Well, maybe the maybe it's that road bill, you know. Right, okay, exactly. There's, pe- there's some people out there that don't want it to be sent to the people. Uh, they want to have an up or down vote on it and make people sign on to something and not play games about that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I always don't want to feel what the get an idea of what the legislators that we elect them to make decisions. I'd like to at least them to come out and 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 tell us and tell us how they yeah and and tell us something about it. But I tell you one thing: you cannot lower taxes unless you reduce your budget or cut something. You cannot reduce the amount of money that you make at a job unless you reduce your expenses. Now, Arkansas has more state highways per capita than California to have. Yeah. So there's one thing that you learn in politics. If you build something, you have to maintain it. So a lot of times you have people lobbying like your concrete manufacturers, your equipment leasers, and the people at Caterpillar and all these people are lobbying for more road money and more build, road build, money. Build, build, build. build, build. build but guess build. what? <laughs> guess what? The taxpayers have to maintain, maintain, maintain That's after right. you build all this That's stuff. Right. At some point, when is enough enough? And sometimes... If you build it, they still won't come. 
Hey, that's exactly. You know, they won't come because the taxes are too high. Say, hey, we got interstates everywhere. We, you know, you can get a road and go all the way to. You can go all the way to Jasper, Arkansas, on, on a real beautiful state four high, uh, lane highway. Yeah, four lane highway to Jasper's Arkansas. But the taxes are so high, you can't make any money. So, so I mean, I think less is more, but we haven't seen that from this group yet. I mean, when, just one thing, and I'll be quiet. I, you kind of got me on something here. But Democrats call it stimulus money because it puts money into the economy and creates jobs. Republicans call it infrastructure. I call it something we can't afford. Yes, theft. And, and so I think Artie Hopper is kind of making a good point. You know, are we should we be should we really be cutting taxes if we're too stupid and cowardly to cut spending? And that's part of the problem is we don't we don't have the guts to cut spending, but we're still going to beg for tax cuts. I want to see some courage down here. I want to see some courage. I want to see some legislators actually standing up and promoting significant cuts. Significant cuts, not not these. Well, we're going to we're going to let two or three people go by attrition. Let's fire them. If we don't need them, why are they still working? Yeah, there's departments that we definitely don't even need at all. There's departments we could eliminate. We can delete a lot of departments. You know, I read that you sent me a bill, Paul, about our tire bill. And and, uh, if you want to get me fired up on something else, we'll talk about the entire bill. We're going to talk about it in a minute. the the governor part of the governor's whenever he came in in the last session a part of his agenda was to pass a tire bill that ADEQ wanted so they're going to pull a whole new government agency of ADEQ that's going to track every used tire in the state of Arkansas and they're going to uh, to pay for this they're going to get a tire removal free fee from from people that's not a tax it's a fee oh, okay. oh there's a tire removal fee to pay for all these extra government agencies that have these extra ninety thousand dollar a year jobs to oversee another ominous taxpayer funded non-profitable recycling program so now that they've got it and they got it passed and uh, thanks to the adeq and and, and the governor backing it now believe it or not it's losing money so there's a bill coming up right now to take three hundred thousand dollars not right now they're taking money out of other recycling programs to fund the ominous tire program that they dreamed up last session so now they're legally going to have to give a funding source to get three hundred thousand dollars on a government program that didn't create enough fees to pay for it. Yeah, we'll come back and we're going to talk about that. It's an important piece of legislation to talk about. Here's my whole thing about cutting government. And this is the pro- one of the problems when you allow government to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. You sit down with any of these legislators in here and ask them about a specific department and what they do. And I bet you they can't tell you what exactly it is that they do specifically. They don't have a clue. Yeah, and they, they have no, they don't have, they probably don't have any clue of how much money that department even spends. Yet they continue to vote on these, Usually on these appropriations for bills. And the other well, thing that drives me crazy is when I hear that we're going to have inclement weather and we hear that non essential personnel need not come to work if they're non-essential why in the hell do we have them working for us 
Am I, am I wrong about this? We've got to create jobs, I guess, and, and for non essential people. Hey, one know. of Paul's one of Paul's biggest peeves, and this is what happens when you're talking about government agencies. When you come down there and own a bill, and they're going to spend more money and create another uh, taxpayer burden and put a bunch more of their brother in laws and cousins in state employees' positions or retired legislatures on the payroll to reward them for voting the way they wanted them to, then all the people from the state agencies shows up as experts and lobbies for why we need more money in that agency and why it's such a good deal. So if a citizen, if one citizen actually shows up and says, you know, we can't afford this and it's going to put businesses out of business, they don't listen to him. They listen to the experts from the state agencies. So-called yeah. experts. It's just maddening. It's frustrating. We've got these government-funded lobbyists coming down here driving government vehicles sometimes, I'm afraid. Why aren't they being arrested for misusing state funds? That's basically stealing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so frustrating. I mean, yeah, whenever they're lobbying to raise their own budget. Raise their and, own and, and why And why the agency needs more money. Is anybody going to show ever show up and say, we're a state agency, we've got 20% more employees than we really need, and you need to give us less money next year because we really don't ever do anything Never important. Never it's will. not going to happen. Government's propensity is to what? Grow. In Grow. many Thank cases. You. So, so <laughs> that's like asking, that's like expecting a pig to say, you know, I'm full. I don't need any more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously? At some point. He's not talking about you, R.D. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's like saying it a, may apply. I don't like, know. That's like expecting a pig be to applicable. come along and say, you know, I don't like acorns anymore. I'm going to go on a diet. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, folks. That's pretty irrational to expect that pig to decide to go on a diet on its own. So the state agencies are not going to cut themselves. No. We're going to have to bring somebody in. Never seen them ever show up at a meeting and say, guys, look, I know we can slim down. We can get rid of 30% of our workforce. That would be awesome. You were here the day that Charlie Collins was and on. You were just asking for 10%. Yeah, and, and he said, well, how much do you think we should cut? And I said 10%, and I swear to you, R.D., I don't, I don't remember if you were here that day or not. I thought we were going to have to resuscitate him <laughs> on the floor. Yeah, no, I mean, your, your request for 10% is, is small, in my opinion. But I knew it was small. I mean, I mean to, but to, 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 to a lot of the legislators around here, it, it seems like that's just not even a consideration. It's, it's not. It was very I'd obvious like to see Charlie Collins it wasn't. I'd like to see him show up with a budget that would be 2% smaller than the year that would before. Be, that would be a serious I mean, it would be a step in the right direction. Every two years for five foot what? Uh, for a couple of decades. Sure. And it still wouldn't be small so enough. Cut then, it anywhere you want to. Yeah. But, but how, how much has the state budget just go, grown? Just go department by department, and you tell the heads of those departments, I want you to cut your spending by 2%. As, yeah, as a, or the check showing up is going to be 2% short, right, so you spend yeah, it well. come out of Com- your pocket. <laughs> Compared to what was it, 15, 20 years ago, it was a fifth of what it is now? In that neighborhood, did you, didn't you say it was about a billion dollars when you first yeah. got to Arkansas? Oh, it was. So, it so was, now it's they five. just cracked a billion under Huckabee. Right. So so now it's about now it's five, five and a half. And so we're, we're up over five hundred percent. Are you getting better results from your government? 
No. Yeah, the school scores so. are up. The scores are up from the kids at school. I'm just and, saying. And the justice uh, system works yeah, better. Yeah, we, we don't we got have more any police officers anymore. out on the road. Uh, I, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, nobody ever gets murdered well, in Little Rock anymore. Whenever I see a, we never have enough police officers. Look, anytime a city comes out and needs a tax increase, it's because. We need more police departments. And, and, and you know, right. And, and, Our 911 has the latest equipment. 911 right. right. has well, the latest equipment. Nobody knows how to use it. <laughs> yeah. no, they, their equipment's outdated, and you can't even buy parts but, for but, it. But if, you, but if you set up an Uber account and, 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 and get yourself delivered by Uber, you can get to the hospital in, in yeah, an efficient you way. You have a heart attack, you can get transferred three times. what we need is Uber police. Well, that might work. You know, Just I, call I, I, Uber, I heard, and they show up. I don't remember who it was. We need was, an Uber government. <laughs> I don't remember who it was that was telling me this, but but there was some some person that that ran out, ran their car off in the road, and they were got they were off the road into the into the woods, and the police couldn't find them. They'd called nine one one. For whatever reason, emergency personnel could not find them. They set up to get picked up by Uber. The Uber driver found them, got them to the hospital. That wouldn't surprise me. Something, something about that whole story does not surprise me. <laughs> All right, quick break. Let me remind you that if you are suffering from warts, the people at Applied Research of Arkansas have a study going on that may wipe those warts away. Uh, participants uh, receive free study-related care and medication as well as compensation for time and travel. Now, I think uh, just the other day I mentioned this. I am going to be doing one of the Applied Research of Arkansas studies. I'm doing the uh, the low testosterone uh, study that they got going on. I, I've, I have had the problem of having low testosterone. Now I'm going over, and uh, Dr. Diana is the doctor behind it, and I'm going to go... Uh, do that. Here's what all you got to do. You go to your website, go to arcarkansas.com, and uh, write in there that you want to be a participant. Uh, you pull down the little menu they got. You fill it all out. They'll take a look and see if you are are good to go for that study. Works that easily, and uh, you can apply online or if you'd like, you can even call five zero one nine five four seventy eight twenty two is the landline to call five zero one nine five four. 7822. Back with you. We're at State Capitol, third floor on the House side. I was looking across the way, and whom should I see? But Nate Bell. Nate's over there talking about something. I know, don't know who he's talking to, but he's, he's having a, a very animated discussion. So typically when you have discussions with Nate Bell, they're animated. <laughs> You're good. Anyway, yeah. now go take us back and tell me what's going on now about this tire bill. Is it? Are they? Well, here's what they say. They say they're going to go and they're going to fix something. And usually, what that means is they're going to fix it that it works even worse. Well, the tire bill is basically the Titanic. <laughs> They're rearranging and, 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 the deck chairs. And, and, yeah, and all the, so well, they gave somebody a bucket, and, <laughs> and, and, and they're going to go in the back, and they're going to start bailing water okay. to, to try to keep it from sinking. What's the, what's the problem that they're running into, R.D.? Because you've been well, keeping a very close eye on all of this. Well, they created they a government program. Off. Well, they created a government program to where they were going to have to have, you know, four or five people that made ninety thousand dollars a year oversee a, a, a branch of an of a new agency that is going to create uh, 
more oppression on small businesses because all of your tire stores was going to have to have a computer, a website, a trained personnel to run the state website, a tracking system to charge somebody $3 every time they dismount a tire and send the money to the ADEQ. They were going to have to get their truck certified to haul tires. The person driving the truck had to be trained. They were consolidating uh, like eight different uh districts in arkansas uh down to uh there you go about to uh five districts in arkansas so they were going to make it where uh (laughs) that's a good one they were going to make it to where people have to carry their tires farther to get rid of them in the counties in the rural area we'd have to go farther to, to to take your tires and uh so all of this extra problem was just to try to create a recycling program to, to keep any tire from going into the landfill. And if a tire is cut up in four pieces, it can go through the landfill, and it, it's not going to bother anything. So it's a, it's a democratic program for bigger government that I knew was not going to work because they didn't have the people to go in and implement all of it. It didn't have enforcement agencies to go in here and make sure all all of it happened. So in my experience, it wasn't going to create the money. All right. We got Ford on the phone. Ford, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. What you got? I'm fine, Dave. I got a thought. You uh, kind of gave me a spark. Talk okay. about uh, ways to reduce state government, you know, smaller percentage. Right. Uh, as an example, right now, the uh, state teachers, I understand, they want a pay increase of so much. So go ahead and give them the whatever it is with the proviso that in two or four years, uh, a certain uh, standard is met, i.e. we move up three notches or the kids teach so much better. If not, that phrase automatically goes away. But just build it in automatically in the... Uh, Bill. No, they won't go along with that. Ford, you know that. Money well, does I not necessarily... They'll say money doesn't necessarily lead to better performance. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I think, you, you know, I think that's a great... An it, idea has has merit because I own a business and I pay people uh, according to their performance and I tell people that your raise, a friend of mine uh, tells me that a, a person's raise becomes... Uh, Active whenever they become active, or their your praise your raises hinged on your performance. So uh, uh, I think that's a good idea. But what, what one of our problem in our school systems is they're measuring people's the teachers' performance in schools' performance by a standardized test. So this standardized okay. test is is not a is not a good way. Do you have any idea on that? Well, I don't want to focus so much on the teachers, but just. Anybody, any department that wants raised, even of any kind, just sure, with the proviso that in two years, if some standard isn't met, it disappears. It, okay. it goes back. Now, right. not, bad. not a bad, not not bad. bad idea. Appreciate you. Ford, i got to move because i got to get to the news here. Thank you for your call today. Uh, and, and that's a good idea that needs to be fleshed out a little bit more and, and figure out how to, to do it. I just know that whenever they've tried to do merit-based raises in education, they fight against those tooth and, and nail. They really do. All right, let's get to the uh, 
the uh, the news. We'll find out what's going on. Then we'll come back here to the Capitol. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show at the Capitol. Good to have you here. Being part of this, we're trying to locate some representatives and some senators and get them back here to the station so that we can talk to you. One being a state representative, Peyton, is that right? Yeah, he's got a pretty interesting bill that he filed a, a day or two ago, I guess, that um, that would the proposal is to, to make it so that we can pay less sales tax on used cars. So right now, I think the cutoff is $4,000. They want to make it 7500 7500 right? right, I think, is the, is the cutoff, which okay. is... Is is a is a big deal. I mean, it's it's not just a, a penny any tax cut. This is this is a pretty substantive one, and so it's he's he's bumping the number up. That's what is that? Let me do the math on that. Is that about about thirty five hundred bucks? Yeah, thirty five hundred bucks. I'm trying to think of the percentage. That's um, that's over three quarters, over seventy five percent. It's about eighty. 80 Be nice, eighty five percent, something like that. It, so, you know, I'm I'm I fall very strongly into the column. As uh, yesterday, uh, Robert Steinbach went just ballistic about <laughs> paying, you know, taxes on your car every freaking year. And the same thing, I, I don't, I just don't understand why we have to buy on used cars because you've already paid the taxes on a car. Right. Why do you got to pay them again? Right, and it, and it really just I, because I, a different person I, has I, the, you know, the title. Right. I, I think the the used car sales tax is a pretty significant reason why um, resale value is not as good as it could be because that that sales tax is a big transaction fee. That's a big fee. And, you know, we want people to get off of welfare, and that's what I talk, we talked to John about it, mm-hmm. and he made a good uh, – a Representative Payton made, made a, a good point that, you know, we want people to get off welfare and get a job. And whenever you've got to come up with three or $400 worth of taxes – on a $3,500 car, that, that's as much as the down payment would be on a $3,500 car. Okay, so I, this is the kind of thing I hear from people when we bring this up. This was sent to us yesterday right after uh, we heard from Robert about it. Yep. Don't like it either, but it goes to the schools. Hmm. Get rid of it, and they'll have to make it up someplace. I heard this exact I heard this exact argument when we tried to get rid of the food tax. In fact, it was the exact argument that former Governor Huckabee used. If you get rid of the food tax, all that tax that comes up, we got to find out, you know, where to make it up. Because if we don't make it up, our schools are going to fail. Uh, our hospitals were going to fail. I mean, he, it went on and on and on. I mean, maybe you guys remember this, but back in, uh, t- what was it, about 2002, maybe 2003, it had to be 2002, the uh, Arkansas Children's Hospital had a huge banner on the side of the hospital that said, vote no for uh, ACT, and it was the one that Whatever we were trying to get through to get rid of the food tax, and uh, it had a skull and crossbones next to it, like what, that you see on poison. Wow. It was, um, you would have thought that we were going to become uh, Haiti or something wow. if the food tax went well, away. And it's just that, 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 you know, especially with public schools, you drive by the public schools that are the new ones that are being built now, they're, they're like mansions. You drive by them, they're extravagant, they're not simple buildings. This is not. 
um, this is not basic adequacy. This is extravagance. This is luxury that our government is engaging in with these welfare programs like public school. I'm sorry. When a, when a private school education is less expensive than the government school, and the private school does not have the the advantage of economy of scale, I think we maybe need to look into something. Where are they wasting all this money? Well, I I just uh, texted a representative Peyton. He said he'd try to come come by some other time. He's somewhere waiting for. Uh, and can't come by right now okay, today, well, so t- he's not available today. But he'll try to come by and tell us about it. But oftentimes, start you start know, hitting him up for next Tuesday. Okay, all right, I'll ask him <laughs> to reserve a spot for us next Tuesday. Yeah, I'd love to be on the show whenever he comes. He's he does a great job, but too many times these taxes hit the the working class people and the people that are struggling the most, and the used car tax is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mark is in North Little Rock, wants to join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're live from the Capitol. How you doing, Mark? What's up? Doing great, sir. I just had a quick story about a vehicle that my wife and I just purchased recently, an 09 Odyssey, and we thought that the cutoff was $4,000, which is why we agreed to buy it for that amount. When we went to the Arkansas Revenue Office to file the deed and or no, the title and then pay our taxes, get our tags, well, sorry, thinking that we wouldn't have to pay our taxes, but just instead go and get our tags, the guy behind the counter said, I can't tell you what to do, but the cutoff is $3,999. And we we're like, what? And they said, yeah, you have to get an affidavit and go get go get it notarized and then have the um, amount changed if you want it to be less than 4000 We couldn't just do it right there in the office. And so, and you can't put on the form the reason why you want to do it is to avoid paying taxes. And so <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> but that's what we were trying to do is why we bought it for 4000 So we put on there that we split the cost on getting one of the items prepared and made the price 3600 and didn't have to pay taxes. But it was Good amazing grief. what we had to do to, to do that. It's ridiculous. Well, how dare you try to take the government's money from them? I know. Thief. I know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how, how, you should feel ashamed of yourself for trying to deprive the government of of this money that they worked so hard for. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't sleep for a whole two seconds. Okay, so you tell me, how much was it going to be? What was the tax going to be if you had had to pay the tax? It would have been just a few hundred bucks, but I mean, it's not what I wanted to pay. I'd rather keep that in my pocket. Well, of course. And do something else with it. Absolutely. Thanks for your call, Mark. We appreciate it here on the the, the Dave Ellswick Show. That's a perfect example, though, of how the government does business. I would rather set the money on fire than give it to the government in many cases. One dollar. But that one Mm dollar is is the line that's in bright red that you can't step over. And and, and the retarded thing about this, sorry, I guess we're not supposed to say that, but the the moronic thing about this is that, so $3,999, you don't have to pay any sales tax. You go one more dollar, and now you have to pay sales tax on the full on the full amount before that. Absolutely, that's insane. No, yeah. it's the law. Oh, well. <laughs> Isn't that the same thing? I, I could come up with some more insane laws than yeah. that if we wanted to get into the uh, the insane laws. But the sad part about it is, is I've sat down with parents that's had four kids in college. And they're trying to keep four kids in automobiles in college. Not and every time one of them wrecks one or one of them breaks down, 
or they have to get them another car. Here goes another, you know, three or four or five hundred dollars of another tax they have to pay while they're trying to put their kids through college. Yeah. Uh, there are other ways to raise money. You know, they talk about recycling and how pro recycling uh, people are. You know, these guys taking used cars and, and taking them in and giving them to their college kids and keeping them running. That's a form of recycling. And, uh, why don't you promote it in, instead of uh, having such a, a, a massive transaction fee? Yeah, that, that's exactly because right. One of the ways that that people become wealthier is they trade. By trade, we buy and sell things. That, that's what Barter. trade is. We 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 buy and sell things, and as we buy and sell things, we become richer. Not because we've actually done anything special, but you know, if RD needs. Um, um, I don't know. Maybe I have 22 shells. Already needs 22 shells, but but I need a new starter for my truck. And so we swap. I have a starter. He's got 22 shells. Yeah, barter. We're, we, we bartered. And we could do the same thing with just money, though, and we're trading around, and we both become better off because we got what we needed. When we, when we have such a massive transaction fee on that trading, it reduces the amount of trading, or tends to, I think, and... It it, 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 it it causes us to, to be less wealthy or less well off because we're not moving stuff as quickly. The more we you would move, make the a better good off we are, I think. You would make a good socialist, no, Paul. not. <laughs> they, they I might, don't think they, we could get you elected, they, Paul. They, they, might feed, they, they might feed me to the, to the, to the lions as, as part of their... Um, their circus, but you know, if me and you are making money, we need a transition fee so we can fund all these government oh, programs. These, There's people that that aren't working that need free these, insurance. All so. these people playing video, video games need to have some way to eat. That's exactly right, and then free health insurance. Mm. All right, we got to get a break in. Let's get our final break for this hour in, and we've got the news coming up at the top of the hour. But we'll be back here in just a moment from the third floor house side of the state capitol during the general assembly here on the dave ellswick show 101.1 fm the answer here on the dave ellswick show welcoming you back and i'm uh looking and that look like that look like mr womack moving down yeah. the steps there and interesting to have him on today but you want me to see if i can get him Nah, he's trying to get out of here well he might come i'm looking I'm lo- he's running down those steps. You don't see him run down those steps very often. When they are, it means they're trying, trying to get to out of here. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get out of here. I tell you what, it's dangerous to run down these marble steps right here. They're slippery. I saw you slip one day. I did. I think I did. I kind of slip. It. Yeah, I think you I were sli- going I up. Think I, sl- I slipped going up right there, and it, yeah. it, like everybody turns around because I stomped kind of hard. Doesn't I'm it? always watching Paul. <laughs> Paul does everything backwards. <laughs> fall, fall up the stairs. Yeah, he falls up the stairs. That's exactly. Right. Well, if you got to fall, if you got to fall on the stairs, it might as well be up rather than down. We should try to get Doug House back on because, mm-hmm. you know, he was on a couple of weeks ago and we talked about pensions. Yeah, there are some people squealing right now. Yeah, there's a bunch have of bills you, out there. Heard, about well, the have you heard system. some of the stuff? The stuff about cutting the deal dealing with. Uh, uh, cost of living it increases. Right. Yeah, I was talking well, to the governor about that last yeah. Thursday, and he said, "Well, you know, I think that we should have a cost of living increase uh, for these workers, and uh, but I think that it should be based on real cost of living and not predicated upon what we think is the cost of living." Now, I'm going to be one that says, "Look, 
here I am working in the, in the public sector, and I don't get guaranteed every year right. that I'm going to get a cost of living uh, increase in my pay. And I think if if every worker in America is not guaranteed that, neither should every governmental worker. Well, and, 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 I, and I think that, that Doug House was telling us that when they were guaranteed these retirement programs, they were not guaranteed the cost of living increases. So effectively, mm-hmm. the taxpayers are getting nailed harder than what they're actually what the um, the obligation actually was. And so that's that's you know when we've got shortfalls, you know, maybe the 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 government shouldn't be giving extra stuff to the to the former employees. That's something I ran into in the county is. Uh, uh, there was not a a salary beginning and a salary ending, so there wasn't a set salary for all the positions for the county. So if you just got a, a job with a clerk filing papers with no education just out of high school, there wasn't a beginning salary and there wasn't a salary cap. Mm-hmm. So if you come in and filed papers for 20 years and you got 3% a year, before you know it, the taxpayers are paying you a lot of money mm-hmm. to file papers. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, this is not the way it works in the real world. In the real world, there is a starting pay and there is a cap for the position. Now, if you want to make more money, what you need to do, you need to go get an education and you need to apply for a... a or, or be able to justify your... Or, your, your or a higher position. Be so, able to justify your pay by, by greater productivity. No, maybe a good way to, to justify more pay is, you know what, this office used to have three people doing that job. Now we only have one. We can pay you twice or, or maybe three times as much. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, I think that same application needs to needs to be made at the state. Everything needs to have a start and a stop, and maybe on the retirement program to say, okay, if you retire at this at this amount, that there's some cap to where to where there's a cap to what you can draw on your retirement. Say, all right, you can get three percent cost of living till it gets a certain point, but you can't go on infinity as is you can't do it to where it just keeps on going. And make it if you get a higher education and you have a higher position that you have a higher cap. So you actually reward those people that strive to achieve and and, and improve their place in life instead of uh, giving everybody a trophy and giving everybody three percent so representative gonzalez just kind of stopped by and told us about a bill okay and, and where I, is she from you know i don't even know but i'll, I'll, t- I'll read you the title of the bill it's, i think you might like it or some people on this uh, listening to the show will i think you will to ensure registered voters are united states citizens to create a process for transfer of information from the judiciary to the voter registration officials and to amend M- amendment 51 of the arkansas constitution and so I think that's I think that's probably an, an issue that'll be fairly popular among a lot of people here in Arkansas. Yeah, I think it would uh, be a good one since we've been hearing the stories and it's true news, not fake news, of people who have been illegals that have said that they have voted, you know, four and five times well, in, in an election. Well, the, the other thing, and and I'm I'm a little bit split on this. Uh, you know, do you think it would have – how do you think people would react? Let's say they said that uh, you could uh, be illegal or just be – or a green card holder, and we allow you to to um, uh, vote during a local election. Uh, I think they have, uh, they have more of an argument with it 
than they have national. National yeah, is pretty I, doggone clear. I, I, there's a little better argument. I, I agree. There's a little better argument for a very local election. Um, a, a green card is a work permit. Right, right. But, if you're here to right. work, we're going to let you vote on our laws, and you're right. not even a citizen. Right, and I, and I it, right. My my thing is, I'm 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 in favor of of lots of immigration. However, I'm not in favor of lots of citizenship. Um, um, what do you call it? Uh, of granting citizenship to a lot of people. I, I, I think amnesty. Uh, what, what? However, I don't even. Uh, but <laughs> uh, however we want to do it, I, 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 I'm in favor of lots of immigration, but not lots of um, citizenship. There needs to be a pathway, and 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 I do agree with, with some of the Democrats on on one thing. There needs to be a clear pathway, and there is a pathway right now. I've got a friend that's helped several people come over from Russia and Vietnam who are productive people that work every day that are not a debt to society. He helps people that are legitimate people that are not criminals come here and do their paperwork for him because he's figured it out. But I'm for saying, hey, you know what? If you pay taxes for this many years and you hadn't been in jail and you you can take a history test and you understand how our country works and you're trying to assimilate and, and be an American citizen, I'm all for improving the pathway for people that wants to come here and work and be productive. But you said something, people, a person, that right. just because you are granted citizenship should not turn around and mean all the members of your family get well, citizenship as well. Right. And that's something else they need to clean up, and the also- part with uh, women coming across the board expecting to have a baby here just because a baby was born here from an illegal alien that that makes him a citizen that doesn't make him a citizen and uh, i think they're misusing the constitution well, of course they are i mean that's a key i mean when i was down on anvil um, uh, ranch down in uh, arizona i was talking to some of the uh, border patrol and they said that if it's a uh, a mule that's bringing these people across that what happens is that many of them will be found with you know their backpacks and inside the backpacks they've got an injectable that will start a woman's labor process are you serious yeah so that they'll have the the child here in the united states and that child then is a citizen and uh, they become a citizen and then the mother becomes a citizen She's got to stay here, and then the father comes over, and then the rest of the family comes over. Uh, that's why, you know, uh, Senator Cotton wants to get to where it's, you know, a, a merit basis to get Definitely. citizenship and not a, a familiar or a familial type of thing. I'm with him on that. That's Good a, deal. This makes sense. We'll take a break. We'll come back. More going on here. The power panel here, minus one. Jim Morgan's not here. I'll tell you why when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you as we continue our coverage of the uh, General Assembly going on here at the Capitol. Just about everybody has basically gone home or to dinner or whatever. Uh, In just uh, a few seconds here, we're going to talk to the uh, State Attorney General, Leslie uh, Rutledge, and we're going to talk about the State of the Union that the the President will give tonight. And uh, Leslie, welcome to the show, and we're, we're glad to have you here. What uh, what should we expect from the president tonight? Well, good afternoon, Dave. Glad to be on with you. I think, you know, tonight, as 
uh, the president uh, delivers his State of the Union, you know, the theme of the address is choosing greatness. And what an incredible theme. As the president walks us through some of the, you know, as he continues his bold vision for America, following up, you know, from 2018, some of the the big tax cuts that were passed in 2017, the, the benefits that we saw in 2018, the 2.5 million jobs uh, that were created in 2018 as a result of those tax cuts. But tonight, uh, the president is going to be, you know, asking uh, Democrats across the aisle to work with him and to choose greatness for America, to make sure that, you know, things he's going to discuss tonight, I'm sure, you know, we're going to talk about safe and legal immigration system, you know, to reaffirm his determination to stop illegal immigration, human trafficking, the flow of drugs that are coming over the, the southern border, protecting the American workers, and making sure that, you know, we have the infrastructure in place, affordable health care, all those things we're going to hear tonight in the President's State of the Union, but it's really a, his bold, conservative vision for America, but it's important that tonight when Americans are listening to and watching the State of the Union that they get on the phone tomorrow and to say to their elected Democratic officials let's work with this president. Let's all choose greatness and work together. Yeah, I'm not expecting that to happen, are you? I'm not, but I think it's important for Americans to ask their representatives to say, enough's enough. Let's stop the stalemate in Washington, D.C. Let's get something done. Let's break decades of this political stalemate and build old build bridges rather around some of these old divisions and and to make sure that we're doing what's right for the American people. Hey, Leslie, this is R.D. Thank you for being on the show. But you were you were for Trump when being for Trump wasn't cool, and uh, I appreciate that. And you're talking about the Democrats. Do you feel like the Republicans have rallied around Trump now that uh, that that he has his party behind him? Well, I do think that uh, Republicans across the board are seeing that well, we have a president who is committed to making sure America is great. And that's not a cliche, making sure that we do have American jobs and that we're putting uh, security first. You know, our national security is so important that we uh, put the resources behind our, our military efforts around the world, that we support our men and women in uniform, that we protect our southern border and make sure that we don't have this humanitarian crisis continue for another decade because of political stalemate in our nation's capital. Well, that sounds like that should be a definite yes, huh? It should be a definite yes. I, I do believe that while many were slow to get on the train, they do recognize uh, the president is leading us in the right direction, that we he needs to have uh, Republican support, but just as importantly, he needs to have Democratic support for this vision and to make sure, that again, that we're taking care of all Americans. All right. Well, Leslie, the, it looks like the gov- uh, the uh, president is going to have a lot of guests there tonight. He's going to talk about the wall. Uh, he's going to talk about the, pro- the crisis down on the southern border. The uh, Speaker of the House will be sitting right behind him when he's talking about those things. Do, do you see any breakthrough possible on uh, border security, or is it going to just continue being, you know, the same old, same old? Well, I, I do hope that there is a breakthrough on border security, as, as most of us do, because it impacts us all, even right here at home. Uh, 
in Arkansas that we look at uh, what it has happened in Arkansas as a result of Mexican cartels and their influence in state, their ability to to get illegal drugs into Arkansas just last September, I believe it was, when the DEA and our special agent in charge uh, announced that they arrested over 1,200 people in Arkansas with over 200 firearms, $350,000 cash, 229 prescription pills, and 1,400 pounds of drugs. And many of those, not all, but many of those had a direct connection to drug cartels. Now that uh, that can you repeat those numbers for our listeners, and then I'll let you go. Sure. So again, this is from the DEA agent, special or assistant agent in charge. The numbers in Arkansas with ties to Mexican cartels. So in September of this year, they had one thousand two hundred and sixty people throughout the state were arrested with over two hundred firearms, three hundred fifty thousand dollars cash. 229,000 prescription pills and 1,400 pounds of other drugs. And many of these had direct connections to drug cartels. So, yes, this impacts Arkansas. So when folks try to tell you it doesn't matter, it does matter. And when you see the humanitarian crisis, the human trafficking and children and young adults being trafficked across our southern border as well as crime then we must address it, and it's time to address it, and it's time for the Democrats to come to the table and to work with this president. All right. We appreciate you, Leslie. I mean, we've been saying it for a long time here on my show that the Mexican border is our border as well, and you just proved that with those statistics uh, that you gave us. You have a nice evening. Thanks so much for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you, Dave. Y'all have a great afternoon. All righty. Bye-bye now. That was some some uh, eye-opening. Uh-huh. 1,200, yeah, 1,260 people that they arrested that were illegals, uh, 200 firearms. I forget how much money exactly. It was close to $300,000, wasn't it? 350000 229,000 pills and 14 uh Pounds of other drugs. 1,400 pounds of other drugs. I can't even read my own writing. <laughs> All right. So that, that that was in September alone. That should That's give everybody. Amazing. Do you think we need a border, huh? Do you think we need to be protecting the border? And it ain't going to be done by just having drones. I, I've said in jest that uh, the only way to have border security with drones is if they're supplied with Hellfire missiles. Uh, that's the only way that you'll be able to do it. Yeah, well, yeah. Taking a picture of everybody as they're coming in is really not going to be an effect. No, it's sure as heck not going to be. <laughs> I just said they just said that they figured it by twenty sixty, ninety two percent of the increase in America's population will be done by immigration. That's not. The way to do it in America, folks. Illegal immigration. Yeah, I mean, it just it's it's terrible, and the Democrats. That's exactly what they want to do. It's exactly because they figure they control 
uh, you know, every legislature in America by that time. You know, the Democrats wants to see us become Europe and, you know, become more socialist. They're working on it. And build the, tear the walls down. But why don't the Democrats go to Europe and see how it's, it's working over there? It's not working that well. Oh, they probably really like it. You know, they find some little cafe they can sit outside in and drink out of Demitas cups and stuff. It's typical things that uh, the Democrats do. Let's take a break. We've got more coming your way. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 16 after 4. Don't forget the Bible guys are coming. Had a few people now have have dropped me some uh, uh, emails. If you'd like to do that, just uh, send it to Guys at com. And don't forget, we're going to play some... Uh, uh, Material off of uh, YouTube from Andy Stanley. We want you to hear what he's saying, and we're going to let uh, Scott and Steve talk about it. I don't know if Billy's going to be here or not, but if they are, we'll see him then. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, back in a moment. All right, we just uh, don't forget that the uh, State of the Union uh, message from the president will be live here on 101.1 FM, the answer uh, beginning at 8. PM and we'll carry it in its entirety, and I'm sure, uh, and Russ, you know more than I do on this. Are we carrying the Democrat response as well? Yes, we will carry the Democrat response. Okay, so we'll we'll let the liars have their... No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. We'll let the other side have their saying. I'm just wondering, uh, is it... I'm who's, afraid who's viewing may the response, be do you know? What now? Who's given the Democrat response, do you know? I think it was an illegal alien, wasn't it? So Chuck is giving the... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who's doing the response for the Democrats. I do know, and this is funny, they're going to they're gonna have some illegal immigrants up in the, in the balcony to see the, uh, uh, I guess, the, the President's State of the Union. I think the President should have a couple of ICE agents there to arrest them. And escort them out of the Capitol. Yeah, probably just check everybody's IDs on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> Can we see your green card, please? <laughs> but no, I, I'm just saying, Pelosi, that, that's been the word, is that she was going to, to do her thing. Okay, so we heard earlier, Russ, you may have heard this, that they said that uh, Ginsburg made an appearance in New York City. So now the people who have been saying that she's dead for the last couple of weeks, uh, saying that's why we're not seeing her because she had already died, and uh, people are trying to, you know, keep people from knowing it so that Trump couldn't go out and put another person uh, in his room, which is most ridiculous thing I heard. A new story came out. There were no pictures of her. <laughs> I'm just saying. It doesn't matter what they do. People will believe what they want to believe. Obviously, it was just a robot that looked like her. It may have been AI. Weekend at Ginsburg's. Yeah, <laughs> weekend at Ginsburg. That's exactly right. Yeah, just incredible. I mean, there's people People will believe anything sometimes. They, they believe it because they want it kind of to be true, I think. Because they want Trump to have another go around another Supreme Court justice. I tell you what, reality is reality, and the truth is the truth, no matter how you feel or what you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was there, evidently. A whole lot of people saw her, but some nobody took a picture. They may have told them that you couldn't take a picture of I don't her. think it was a case of mistaken identity. Yeah, I agree with you. I wholeheartedly, but... 
I mean, I've been trying to, you know, knock that down on my uh, my Facebook, saying no, 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 she's still alive, yada yada yada, and you know, like I said, people want to believe what they want to believe. With that in effect, we got a um, a, 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 a some kind of remarks from Rushing, is that right, from State Representative yeah, Rushing? I don't have it up anymore. She was kind of making the point that in some can you get it back in up? her um, in her district. That, Down in Hot um, Springs, that she lives a lot of the Hot people, basically a lot of the people there wouldn't be getting a tax cut, and so they're, uh, they're going to make a dollar seventy six cents a month, right? Something, something like that. I'm not yeah. sure exactly what it was, but but her point was that they they still want more government programs to be to be fixed and and more funding to them, I suppose, instead of having the tax cut, which I understand a lot yeah. of people feel that way. Well, they were saying dollar seventy six a month. For, she said, "Did you want that, or do you want them to fund the panic button at the school because they have to fight for funding for that uh, at the schools?" And they said, "You give up your uh, thing. You, you shouldn't have to do either. That's the key." Well, and that's part of the problem is that, that we've got government wasting money in all these different places, and. Um, we're going to have her that's, on tomorrow. She's going to join here. Uh, she'll be here on the Dave Ellsworth you know, Show, 2.30. That's nuts when you say you don't have enough money for school safety and for a panic button in a school. When you're doing all of these programs, like, you know, my tire program, you got you got the uh, Obama's Medicaid expansion that's costing us millions of dollars. And you got all of these uh, non-profit recycling programs, and you have a department of the agent for the agency that I just discovered by reading that bill that you sent me, that we have an agency that promotes... Uh, recycled products you know since the government's in a business that they don't have any business being in mm-hmm. they have to have an agency that promotes their business so that's where the three hundred thousand dollars was coming from mm-hmm. so you set priorities what's your number one priority what's your new number two priority what's your number three priority you have money for your top five priorities paying so, off your donors yeah so <laughs> So uh, what is, what it's is nuts when you say you don't have enough money for school security whenever uh, it, all you're saying is is there's a lot more things well, more important well, than school well, security. They've, they've got flowers out front, but they need money for school security. They've got um, fancy stuff going on all over the place, but they don't have money for things that they say are necessary. Maybe they should prioritize. In life and in business, whatever your priorities are, you'll find the way to take care of your priorities. So uh, all you got to do is get your priorities straight. Yeah. Be nice. I so, am, uh, I'm sending a um, text to Doug House, who said that he was driving home and heard us mention his name, and but I was already near home, so I said... Uh, no problem. Just heard some pensioners were not happy with uh, some of your bills. Was wondering if you could come on. We'll try to set him up for tomorrow as well. But he's getting some heat about the cost of living, uh, the way that they're going to figure it out or whatever uh, for pe- uh, pensioners that are out there. You know, but if right you set now it up, we're losing a lot of money on these pensions. What if you set it up for whatever department? And say you retired from the DHS. And say this year DHS funding is off, so the DHS p- 
people are not going to get a cost of living raise in that department. Well, if the people in the department doesn't get the cost of living raise, then the people that are on the retirement that retired from that department doesn't get the cost of living raise. So when you set your priorities and you take care of your priorities, everybody that's kind of in that box goes by the same people that are still working. Right. And the thing is, you know, if these people agreed to a retirement program that didn't actually specify a cost of living increase every year, maybe the state shouldn't be giving it to them. Because from what I understand, maybe I misunderstood Doug House, but from what I understand from what Representative House was saying is that... They're that, trying to save the pensions. Well, and that's, that's the thing is we, we've got pensions that are, that are underfunded, but they're still going... By millions. But they're still giving... Cost, cost of living, of living in- increases. increases, and from what I understand, from what Mister from what Mister House said, or Representative House said, the cost of living increase was not part of their contract, if you will. Yeah. Well, the governor mentioned when he was here uh, Thursday that there was a cost of living increase in the pension, but the way to figure out the cost of living increase was different than what they are using at this time, which would save considerable yeah, I think amounts he, he was of making money. the point that he didn't he didn't plan to cut it, but that they but he didn't, he didn't plan he to cut to it out back but he wanted, way it was wanted to make to it maybe a little more re- realistic to what the actual uh, what it was inflation to rates be. are. Yeah. Well, and, and the fact is that cost of living is going up, but it's not because money is losing value so much. It's because we're actually our standard of living is going up in a lot, a lot of cases, and, and so it's not. I don't think it's necessarily appropriate to be to be factoring in the the, the fact that we're living more luxurious lives in, in these cost of living increases. Well, I think they need to factor it out for future pensioners is what they need to do. If you come right. in now and start working, you should be told you'll get X amount. And, and, and I'm, I'll let you pick up on this when we come back, uh, R.D., but you should be told that you're going to get the money you put in, but that's it. All right, we got 25 minutes left here in this segment uh, from uh, the Capitol and talking about what's going on in the Capitol. The Bible guys are arriving and ready to go, uh, and they will have the 5 o'clock hour to talk to you. Just to let you know, first thing we're going to talk about is what Andy Stanley had to say about not having uh, that the, the Ten Commandments didn't have any authority now which I, it just stuns me that he would say what he does. But we're going to play that, and we're going to have a, I'm sure, spirited uh, conversation so about that. So which ones does he disagree with? Well, that's a good question, Paul. Which ones does he disagree yeah. with? I mean, the only, the only uh, one, you can't yeah. commit adultery or you can't murder. I'm thinking about the only one that, that would really be very controversial is keeping the Sabbath. But the others are, I think... They're all reinstated in the well, New Testament. Well, I, I mean... Don't covet your neighbor's wife or his stuff, and don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness. I mean, okay. What is he in favor of? Well, we'll find out. All right, we're going to play it, though. Maybe like Henry VIII. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of those seven wives. Fire wives. Absolutely. All right. If you don't, I'll start my own church. That's right. And that's exactly what he does. Is that how demo- uh, you know, uh, denominationalism started. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of it. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. was, was that was that the guy that didn't believe in divorce? So he just murdered his wives. No, no cut yeah, their head he, off. He, he cut a lot of their heads off. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying. Who's the famous Anne Boleyn? Was yeah. the one? Yeah. The, the big one that mm. he whacked her head off. Wow. Yeah. 
Yes. Every time you see it, she's you know, she's not at fault for anything. And if you read the whole history of it, eh, you don't cheat on the king. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, there's an old thing. It's not you know, that one. Yeah, king, king, not uh, not the person you want to get on the bad side of. All right, so Doug House uh, looks like he's going to join me uh, tomorrow to talk about the whole thing about pensions. Let me read to you guys what he had to say here. i I got to go back here and find it real quick. Uh, I said, uh, heard that some uh, pensioners weren't happy with COLA being removed or cut. And he said, that's right. My bill returns authority to the pension trustees to award up to lower of 3% or consumer price index. Just trying to make sure the pension systems can survive. We are spending borrowed money from current employers, giving them an IOU, and planning to let the grandchildren pay off the debt. That yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's setting these things up sort of like a Ponzi scheme almost. We've got they're underfunded. That's what we and, mentioned and so, to And him. so you steal from the people who are, are in the system already just because somebody lied to you when they promised you your, your pension, but they didn't take out enough of your, your money to start with. You know, yeah, I may, maybe it's unfortunate that they stole from you or lied to you about it, but that doesn't justify taking from the new people. Yeah, I'll tell you what this all tells me. There's a whole lot of state senators and representatives listening to this show when they leave the when they leave the capital. But anyway, I, and I appreciate that. I really mm-hmm, do. Yeah. Uh, because I've never had any of them saying uh, to me, "You misrepresented it, uh, this, or you said something that I didn't say." We have never had that okay. said to us and because fact, we give. We we report the truth, and the fact is they can come on and talk about it. Yep, we even Dave, you even let Democrats come on oh, and tell their side of the yeah. story, don't you? Yeah, but they have a hard time with it because they can't tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, hey, some of them you've had some of them on that are pretty good politicians. Yes, they're, yeah, they're pretty smooth. We've had Greg Gladding on. He's yeah. good. I'm just telling yeah. you, he's good. He's been on. Uh, uh, Bond has been on a few times, but not since he became an elected official. Mm. It was when he was trying to get the like, Jacksonville High School. I tell it, Clark Tucker. Uh, I mean, yeah, Clark he was Tucker good. Is good. Yeah, and and what he was, the things that he ran, the bills that he ran, the ethics were, bill. were yeah. pretty good stuff. Yeah, those, those ones we had him, come and that's on the reason we had him come on. You that's know? right, but. Uh, when you're not I hate in power, to tell you him, want to pass that I hate ethics, to tell but. everybody, he's not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not, a, he's not a legislator anymore. Yeah, he, he, he ran he, he and ran lost. For, what did he run for? Attorney General? Here? No. He ran for governor. Did he run for governor? No, not governor. No, he, ran he ran for a district two congressman. Congress? Okay. He ran against French Hill. Yeah, I had to think about it for just a second because yeah, they all confusing. lost. Just a bunch the... of losers. <laughs> well, I tell you what, he's he's not to be taken lightly. No, he's smooth and and he's a you know he's a nice looking guy, and, and a, in a kind of you know way that not a sexual way. I'm just no, saying. no, yeah, he's no, he's a he's a he's a pleasant fellow for the most part. Yeah, he is. I, I appreciate him. I mean, if, if I see, but him it on took the, him a long time for him getting his campaign off to get people to think about what it was he stood for. Because when he first started his campaign, it was, I have a wife and I have children. And I've lived in Arkansas all my life. That makes me p- 
perfect person to be your congressman. Hmm. Well, you know, you have to be pretty creative when you read the Democratic platform that you have to to, you have exactly to take right. an oath. Then when you read that and then you've got to go to the people in Arkansas to try to sell that, I think, you know, you have to be pretty slick. Here's what I will say, and I, I've told everybody this, I, I could never... I mean, there's some Republicans that I've had to hold my nose to vote for, but there is no way I could vote for a Democrat because of their platform. No way. You, if you can vote for the a Democrat knowing what they believe about life, knowing just a matter of uh, four years ago or six years ago, uh, they were voting God out of their platform. I mean, you can go back and just look at stuff. These are not the things that most Americans stand for. Especially Arkansans. Yeah, well, especially Arkansans. Especially people in Arkansas. That's exactly right. I could never, I couldn't pull a D if I wanted to. I couldn't either. And I tell you what, if. If anybody in Arkansas is running against a Democrat, I think the best thing you could do is get, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of their Copies platforms. Of their platform, platform is, is this what you and believe just, in? Just pass out. Here's the Republican platform. Here's the Democratic platform. You know, read them both and vote your conscience. I mean, just listen to me. If you say, well, but I'm voting for ones here in Arkansas. They, they believe in the national platform. They stand behind that as well. So just know that that, I mean, that makes up the party. Yeah, they'll talk conservative, but when it comes time to vote, they'll back that platform up or they'll yes, be they booted will. out yep. quick. Do they have to sign now saying that they they uh, adhere to their platform? I know a lot of the offices do. I don't know if all of them do or not. Okay. I, I, I don't know if they were doing that or, or, or not. Okay, so were you going to say something? Okay. I want to let everybody know some things that you need to know about Trump's State of the Union address tonight. President Trump's State of the Union. Oh, by the way, Stacey Abrams will give the Democrat response. Stacey Abrams. President Donald Trump's State of the Union address tonight will review the apparent accomplishments of his past two years in office, including an appeal to Congress to act on issues of immigration, trade, infrastructure and uh, prescription drug pricing. Uh, Trump's address will have a theme of choosing greatness. We heard that from Leslie. And will also feature a prolonged review of the administration's foreign policy achievements and vision spanning North Korea, Venezuela, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the fight against the Islamic State, the U.S. presence in Syria, and the future of the U.S. role in Afghanistan. U.S. President Trump delivers that uh, his first State of the Union address to a joint session of Congress inside the House uh, chamber on Capitol Hill. He did that back in 2018 on January 30th. He's scheduled to take the dais in the House of Representatives tonight at 9:10 Eastern. That's 8:10 Central. And again, we're carrying that live for you starting at 8 o'clock. One official briefed on the speech that Trump is also likely to deride recent Democratic state legislature efforts to pass late-term abortion legislation and appeared particularly animated about the topic at a White House meeting Monday afternoon. If you haven't heard, then listen to his State of the Union because what's happened in Virginia and now uh, what had happened already in New York 
uh, is, well, it's murder. When you say that a baby can be born and then allowed to die, we're talking murder here. Ben Shapiro, our good buddy, all right? Here's what he said. Only in America, if you find three, uh, three cells on Mars, can you find life. But a full, fully developed baby is not. Yeah. It's sad. I that, don't know that, what to is say. that not as clear as you can make it? Right. And of the well, state of Virginia, of all places. Yeah. 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 No, we're, we're we're we've got some pretty serious depravity going on here. I mean, we've we've got people that you know, if they were chopping up puppies, people would go crazy. And start burning down government buildings, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. But no, they're just killing kids. If they're you, just killing children. If you take God out of, out of our laws this and you happens. take God out of our society, this is where you go. Nothing nothing good comes from man. I tell there you is what, nothing sacred at that point. There's nothing sacred. If we don't get God back in, in our morals and our ethics and his word is a source of authority of right and wrong, this country doesn't have a chance. All right. Who, here's the guest that the president will have uh, at the State of the Union, Deborah Bissell. Heather Armstrong and Madison Armstrong, family members of Gerald and Sharon David of Reno, Nevada, who were killed by an illegal immigrant. Matthew Charles, a former drug dealer who was the first prisoner released under the First Step Act. Grace Elaine, a child cancer survivor. Ashley Evans, a mother who is celebrating one month of sobriety after spending much of her life addicted to opioids. Elvin Hernandez, a special agent with DHS specializing in combating human trafficking. Roy James, plant manager at the Vicksburg Forest Products Lumber Facility, which closed down until it received assistance through the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Timothy Matson, a SWAT officer who suffered multiple gunshot wounds while responding to the October mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue. Uh, Judah Samet, a member of the Tree of Life Synagogue and a Holocaust survivor. Joshua Trump, a sixth grade student who is bullied for his last name. Tom Wimberly, the father of Navy Seaman Craig Wimberly, a seaman killed on the USS Cole. And Alice Johnson, received clemency from President Trump after serving nearly 22 years in prison for a nonviolent drug offense. And uh, they, they will all be up in the, uh, you know, the balcony there of the chamber. With all that said, let's get our final break in, and we'll come back and wrap up our look at the state legislature today and get ready for the Bible guys coming up right after the 5 o'clock news. All right, so let me give you the lowdown on what a, a tax cut can do if done correctly. Today, ExxonMobil announced that it would invest a whopping $10 billion, that's with a B, in America's infrastructure as it develops the Golden Pass liquefied natural gas facility in Sabine Pass. According to ExxonMobil, construction will begin in the first quarter of this year, and the facility is expected to get its startup in 2024. Why does it take five years? Because of all of the frickin' federal uh, fees and regulations that they have out there. 
Darren Woods, chairman and chief executive officer of Exxon, stated, quote, Golden Pass will provide an increased reliable long-term supply of liquefied natural gas to global gas markets, stimulate local growth, and create thousands of jobs. The extensive experience of ExxonMobil and Quatar Petroleum provides the expertise, uh, resources, and financial strength needed to construct and operate an integrated liquefaction and export facility in the United States. So uh, the, uh, the, the company says 10 billion liquefaction project will have capacity to produce around 16 million tons of LNG per year. It's expected to create 9,000 jobs over the five-year construction period, more than 200 permanent jobs during operations. Uh, preliminary estimates by an independent study indicate the project could generate up to $31 billion in U.S. economic gains and more than $4.6 billion in direct federal, state, and local tax revenues over the life of the project. Wow, that's some project. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? But it's not LNG. Talk, but it's not talk, It's not costing taxpayers anything. So that's the way the country, the country was meant to grow infrastructure is how people do it profitably. But but uh, that's, that's a good thing. Okay, well, we, we last, have- last January, Woods, the CEO, acknowledged that the tax reform law that was passed by the, the one that the Democrats want to get rid of, uh-huh. Uh, passed by President Trump in the GOP Congress, had stimulated Exxon's Mobil's investment. He said, quote, at ExxonMobil, we plan to invest more than, now we just talked about $10 billion, $50 billion uh, over the next five years to expand our business in the U.S., these investments are underpinned by the unique strength of our company and enhanced by the historic tax reform recently signed into law. ExxonMobil plans to invest over $50 billion over the next five years on the Growing the Gulf initiative, which is expected to create roughly 45,000 jobs. Why aren't we... Heating our houses with with uh, natural, natural gas. gas, and our cars should be running on natural gas. And natural grass is something that we have lots of. And why don't we tear down all these windmills that taxpayers are having to buy, and, and just use natural gas? Well, it's profitable. And, and, and part of it may just be some of the infrastructure um, issues. But natural gas, if you don't carry a liquefied tank in your car you have to have a very high pressure tank generally i personally those those 3500 pound or psi tanks or 4000 psi tanks that's a little bit spooky to have something like that carrying on board but i assume they're actually pretty safe they they are safe uh i recycle wrecked cars and uh i recycled a bunch of them they had them on them and i've never seen one i've never seen one exploded burst and i've seen lots of gas tanks Mm -hmm. that burst yeah Yeah, Uh we don't see any kind of scars on you and that doesn't look like somebody else's arm that they put on you to replace the one that you lost. So we're pretty. Yeah, yeah, we haven't burned anything down or blown anything up lately. But uh, natural gas is very efficient in automobiles. It's efficient in homes, and uh, I'd like to see a company 
like that invested in infrastructure is a positive thing so we can use more of it and uh and quit doing all this stupid non-profit stuff that costs the taxpayers money well we appreciate you guys being here today we are out of time doug house looks like he will come by and join us tomorrow he says ever since he talked about cutting the cola or letting people get in there that could do that says my phone hasn't stopped ringing (laughs) imagine that that's what he said thanks a lot rd for coming by appreciate you being here paul same with you probably to all of our uh, representatives and senators came back uh, by and spent some time with us we thank them as well we'll be back with you again tomorrow two o'clock right here at state house but coming up after the five o'clock news the bible guys will be here on the dave ellswick show About as many answers as there are cards, right? So what does this even mean? You're going to send a bunch of idle, you know, ex-pagans who, you know, participated in temple prostitution who have a very different sense of morality and what you can and can't do with slaves. I mean, the morality of the pagan world, you know, you should know this. In, In the pagan religions, the gods could care less how you treated other people. The gods, there was no more, there was no religious morality. Zero. Zippo. The, the gods just wanted sacrifices. Now, there was civil law in terms of what you could and couldn't do, but in terms of religious law, there was no moral religious law in paganism. It was a completely separate thing. So to send a bunch of Gentiles this and abstain from sexual immorality, what does that even mean? This was a, this is so important, this was a general call to avoid immoral behavior, but not immoral behavior as defined by the Old Testament or the Law and the Prophets. Why? Because they didn't have one. They weren't Jewish. But as defined by the Apostle Paul, who had been teaching in Antioch for two or more years. And do you know what the Apostle Paul consistently tied sexual behavior to? Not the Old Covenant, not the Ten Commandments. The one commandment that Jesus gave us, that you are to treat others as God through Christ has treated you. So when Paul talked about relationships, he said stuff like this. In your relationships to one another, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Any questions? Kind of covers it, doesn't it? Means I got to put people before me, yeah. In your relationships with one another, just remember, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so is hers, and so is his. Any questions? No, I, I, I think that about covers it. The Apostle Paul was explicit and specific about teaching on sexual immorality, but he did not tie it to the Old Testament. So consequently, this letter makes perfect sense because it's going to show up in the church in Antioch where the Apostle Paul's been for two years. So basically they're saying, in order for there to be unity in the church, let's not offend. Let's not offend the Jewish sensibilities when it comes to the dietary law. They'll move past this over time, perhaps. And... You need to take Paul's teaching on moral purity seriously because that has the potential to divide you as well because you have different religious customs when it comes to moral purity. Paul tied sexual behavior to Jesus' new commands. The old covenant, the old covenant law of Moses was not the go-to source regarding sexual behavior in the church. More importantly, (laughs) and perhaps more disturbingly, that's a word, or offensively, The Old Testament, or the Law and the Prophets as they called it, was not going to be the go-to source for any behavior in the church. Now, to make this point, because this is so important, I originally in my notes, I was going to put a screen up here that said, in other words, that means thou shalt not obey the Ten Commandments. But I knew someone would take a picture of that. (laughs) 
and it would define me for the rest of my life. So I'm not gonna put it up there, but I want you to hear me say it. Here's what the Jerusalem Council was saying to the Gentiles. You are not accountable to the Ten Commandments. You're not accountable to the Jewish law. We're done with that. God has done something new. Besides, he would say to them and he would say to you, thou shalt not obey the Ten Commandments because those aren't your commandments. Yours are better. And yours are far less complicated. But they are far more demanding. Because you see, look up here. When you begin to view every single person you meet, red, yellow, black, or white, rich, poor, vulnerable, not vulnerable, when you begin to view every single person you are eyeball to eyeball with as made in the image of God and a potential dwelling place for the spirit of God, you will treat them well. You will not need chapter and verse. You will do for them what God through Christ has done for you any questions. This was a new and better day. This was an extraordinary day in the history of the church. Church leaders, church leaders, the church leaders who were closest to the action, who understood better than we ever will. Church leaders unhitched the church from the worldview, the value system, and the regulations of the Jewish scripture. Not just how a person became a Christian. They unhitched the church from the entire thing, the whole worldview, that God loves Jews better more than he likes other people, that you're to build walls and hunker down and you wait for God to protect you. Jesus said, no, you're supposed to go to other nations and share this message. Everything's different. Everything's new. The whole worldview, the imperatives, everything's new. And finally, 20 years after the resurrection, Peter and James and John and Barnabas, they detached the church from Judaism. Not because there was something wrong with Judaism, but because Judaism, (laughs) the law of Moses was a means to an extraordinary all right. Besides, we've, we've got what we need to hear because he's made the main points. The first time I heard mm. this, I just heard so much false teaching there. It was beyond belief. And what was really beyond belief is that when I was in seminary, Charles Stanley came to the seminary and preached several times, and he has got to be totally freaking out yeah. about what his son is misleading people. At least I hope so. No, oh, I'm sure. So. I'm sure he is. He, I haven't seen him out front, you know, saying, wow, can you believe all the great things my son has brought? I haven't seen any yeah. of that. So I knew how you guys would respond to this as well. Here's the thing. If the Ten Commandments mean nothing, why did what Christ preached sound a whole lot like the Ten Commandments? <laughs> That's in my yeah. That's my whole thing. Go ahead. I'll, I'm going to let, I'm gonna let uh, you know, Mr. Hess cool down just a second. <laughs> and so, Billy, I'm going to let you start off. This yeah, this is actually it. probably a little calmer because this is the fifth or sixth time I've heard that particular clip in the last week preparing uh, both to preach on it this past weekend and for today. Uh, heresy is the only word that comes to mind here. Um, and he, he does something a little bit before this quote started where he talks about um, the fact that there are not just Ten Commandments, there are 613. And the reason, quote-unquote, that they unhitched from the Ten Commandments was because um, the Ten Commandments aren't really the Ten Commandments. They're really the index or the table of contents, rather, for the entire uh, law. And then he goes, and Jesus, by the way, only gave you two commandments. Well, in reality, those two commandments 
are the table of contents for the Ten Commandments, which are the table of contents. The, the Ten Commandments are really summed up in the two commandments that Jesus gives, That's right? correct. And by the way, both of those commandments that he gives in that moment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself, those are not, hear me, those are not new concepts. That's right. Those are both Torah concepts. They both come directly out of Torah. Jesus is not making up something new on the spot in that moment. He is quoting just like he did when the devil came against him. He is quoting scripture in that moment. And by the way, if uh, if you don't want to put a slide up because you'll be known for it, um, but you then put it on the internet, you are still that's going right. to end up being known for it. That's, that's all I... Uh, this is um, one of the many reasons why we have a school. Um, <laughs> and I did um, – we just finished uh, the first semester uh, – actually, I just finished the second semester of church history. And the, in the first semester, uh, we stayed within the first 60 years of the church. We didn't even get out of past 90 A.D. But the very first lecture that I did in semester two was on a guy named Marcion. Marcion existed around 150 A.D. He was – son of a wealthy shipbuilder and he became a believer and he wanted to unhitch Christianity from the Old Testament and he was one of the guys that took what was known as the Gnostic view of dualistic gods. Okay, can I stop right there and say that that was one of the major moves of moving Christianity, separating Christianity from Judaism. That's right. Okay. That's the big thing everybody's got to understand. There were the people who hated the Jews, mm-hmm. still do hate the Jews. And that's what they were trying to do to drive that wedge. That's right. And he came to the church in Rome, gave a large sum of money, and began to teach. And what he, what he created, and he actually, what we can thank him for is he actually led us to have the, the, um, the New Testament that we have today. Um, you, the God, They didn't have the New Testament in the Apostles' Day. You know what they used? The law and the prophets and the Psalms, that's what they used to tell the world about Jesus. They used the quote-unquote old thing. And because, and what Marcion was doing, is he cut up his version of the copy, the version of Luke, to get rid of all of the Jewish references or Jewish hints. He, he said that the God of the Old Testament was a different and mean God, right. and that Jesus was the new and different God of the New Testament. His teaching got him excommunicated from the church, and the church gave his money back. And this is exactly what Mr. Stanley is teaching, and he has no idea. He has no idea that he is trying to, and without the foundation, without the old, you have no new. Let's let's go and do some simple things here, and let's just use the words of Jesus himself. He said in the book of Matthew chapter 5, he said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. He said, I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. And then he says, uh, let me, he goes, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, what commandments is Jesus talking about? The commandments of his father, the Torah, the Ten Commandments, the 613 commandments. He said, whoever breaks one of the least of these and teaches men to do so will be called least in the kingdom of God. There are endless uh, references I could give you out of the New Testament where it says that if you say that you love God but you do not keep the commandments, you are a liar. Um, when you separate yourself completely from the Old Testament 
and because you don't understand it or you don't understand the difficult words because you only read them in English uh, or you go to a church that built its foundation on Marcion and they don't know it or they built it further on Luther or some of these other guys that were around the second, third, and fourth centuries that had a strong separation and division, which most of it was because of an anti-Semitic, we replaced the Jews mentality. And this this is what this leads to. And this is really, really bad. I wouldn't, um, it, it is heretical teaching, but most of it is done out of ignorance. It is not purposeful. It is not malicious. He just doesn't know any better. Right. That's a, that's really what it is. And yeah. and I appreciate that there are, there are many guys out there. There's Dr. Michael Brown, who's a brilliant man, speaks 11 languages. He's a Jewish believer. Uh, he's been a believer since the early 70s. And he's in the process of cu- communicating uh, with Mr. Stanley to try to get him to see uh, how much he misunderstands the role of what uh, Jesus came to do and what the apostles were really teaching. After, I'm going to let Billy read something here, and then I'm going to give you something out of the book of Acts. And I, if you're sitting at home, I want you to get your Bible, because you need to read this to understand that there is read not a self. separation. Right. So one of the... Um, this man has a problem, and the problem is that he could not uh, figure out how to... Um, create the marriage between the Old and the New Testament. And to resolve that within his own mind, he simply said the only way to do that is to throw away the Old Testament. And I know this to be true because I'm going to quote something he said in the second of the videos that he did on this, this uh, sermon series. He, he is speaking to the Bible and he says, do you believe it's all true? Yes. Who does that? Only children. So his implication here is he also talks in this last um, sermon um, he says, many have lost faith. Once someone pokes a hole in the Genesis creation myth, suddenly their house of cards comes tumbling down. Um, this is a man who has decided that the Bible is not trustworthy. Um, he speaks a lot about um, the fact that Christians cannot say that the Bible is the foundation of our faith. Um, to do so is to have the wrong foundation. Um, his point that he's trying to make in, trying to make is not completely invalid. What he says is the real foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. However, I was not in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. The only way I have to know anything about the resurrection of Christ is through what was recorded for me, what was recorded in the years leading up to his death, burial, and resurrection, and what the apostles recorded after his resurrection. If I take that Bible and throw it in the trash because it's, quote, no longer the foundation of my faith, end quote, then I do not have mm-hmm. a foundation. That's right. Period. There's a, Jesus is speaking in Matthew 24, and he said that, um, take heed that no one deceive you. And in Matthew 24, he says, I think four times, be cautious that you be not deceived. Uh, and it's, it, you can become deceived, and that is one of the things that's very difficult to fight against because deceived people don't know they're deceived. That's why right. they're deceived. That's why they're deceived. And when you try to communicate to a person who is in deception, they become angry uh, because they're defending their view because they think they're right. Well, he gives a warning and says not to be deceived, but he also says many will come in my name and tell you that I am the Messiah, but they're going to deceive you. And so there are many people out there, and we have to be very cautious. That's why I take what I do very serious. Very seriously. Because the book of James tells us to, to be cautious about accepting the role of a teacher because you will receive a more stricter judgment. And when you 
flippantly say things like this and the things that he's saying, what what he unknowingly is doing is giving justification for people who maybe want to be a little lax in their standards. As you said flippantly, I thought of how many times he chuckles during the time yes. that he's saying all of this. Yeah. Yeah, he, he realizes that he's creating tension within his congregation. You can feel the tension building, mm-hmm. and he realizes he's in dangerous water. So he makes an outlandish comment and chuckles at it, um, the, like that children comment. You know, he chuckles immediately after that. And of course, your natural reaction when you're in that tense environment, someone chuckles, is to chuckle along, and it helps break up the. But the tension is so high in his congregation; even they are saying they're recognizing. This is bad teaching. There's it something don't wrong. Don't sound here. right. 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 It doesn't pass the sniff test. Right. Yeah. 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 They're they're um, Jeremiah thirty one thirty one is what the book of Hebrews is what Jesus was referring to in the in the um, um, at the last Passover when he was talking about the new covenant, and it says that that new covenant is going to be made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Those are not Gentiles. Those are children of Israel. It is the nation of Israel. And he says, I am going to write my laws upon their heart. That is the word Torah. That is, this is what it literally says. I am going to write the laws of Moses upon their heart. So if we follow, I don't know, just regular exegesis, you could actually say that if they're not upon your heart, then I would question you. Yeah, you know, because what we think he's saying there is, well, the act of literal observance is no longer valid. It's only the condition of the heart. That's what Jesus really came to do in the New Testament, and that is someone who does not understand the old. When God said on several cases, "I could care less about your Sabbaths, even though I gave them to you," that yeah. what, that, that we would read that and go, "Well, why would God not care?" Oh, because God doesn't care about those things anymore. He was saying no, because you're not doing it with you're not your doing heart. Them. And when you repent, rend your heart and not your garment. I want your repentance to be to the heart. As Billy alluded to, those two commandments were given in Deuteronomy. They were given in the Torah, in the law. God has always been after the heart. And to think that Jesus came to do something different is someone who doesn't understand the Bible. Or they think Jesus is a disobedient son coming against what his father taught. This is serious business. He's also saying... Don't pay attention to those Jews, even though Jesus was a Jew. I mean, seriously. Yeah. It. I, I, I when you were, I, I had not listened to all of this, and I, that's <laughs> I why I had to lean back gonna, a little bit. It's going to blow you away. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. told you. Yeah, it's uh, it's just amazing. So, if if you were curious as to whether or not he believes in in replacement theology, here we uh, go. Quote: The new covenant has been given to replace the old covenant. End quote. And, quote, Paul saw the incompatibility of the Old and New Covenants. In the Old Covenant, you were saved by works. In the New Covenant, you were saved by grace. We were not. Yeah. Right. We're no gonna, place. We're going to take a break. No place. Got to take a break, and then we'll come back and talk. For, there's a lot to talk about there here. There is a lot. Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I use them extensively. I've had an engine replaced, a transmission replaced, Wi-Fi, uh, EOM parts, or go buy a new car when I can pay uh, under $5,000 for an engine and a transmission and be done with it. Just makes more sense to me. Get yourself a standard warranty or a guarantee of one, two, and three-year warranties on all the parts. And, um, you know, have a car that 
runs 100% like it did basically when it was brand new. That's what I'm doing now. I'm saving money. I'm not making car payments anymore. 982-7451 is their number. 982-7451. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Okay, so we've just scratched the surface of what we want to talk about. In fact, we'll not get through this uh, part of what uh, Stanley had to say today on the show. We'll pick this up again next week, just so you'll know. And then I want to pick it up a third week because I want to hear what Pastor Scott has to say as well. Right now, though, here's the news for you. Just want to let you know, if you just joined us, uh, we're getting into what we believe is false teaching today with Andy Stanley. That is, of course, Charles Stanley's son, and uh, what he's teaching, I believe, is false teaching. Uh, The two gentlemen who are with me think the same way. Other people think the same way. When you look at the people who have read his books and you read the people who say, this is a great book, uh, it, it's no one you would know. I'm yeah. just telling you. There, it's it's not a Max Licato or somebody like that. It, it's people who are trying to make their names. And uh, you're, well, and I wonder if they read the same book I did. That, that's, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that, that we've read the same book at that point. We so. are actually, with Andy Stanley, hearing what they said would happen in the end time. That's right. Absolutely. They would go to hear what somebody had say to tickle their ear. And what's the name of that book? Irresistible? Irresistible. Okay, so I'm reading the end of that, and it's talking about how do you reach the millennials, and basically it's with a watered-down gospel. Yes, absolutely. And that is his target um, in in these the series of um, sermons that he preached. He, he talks about uh, – and the quote that they've had apparently for the last 22 years or so, hanging in um, every hallway, every office within in their church, they've got a, a poster that says – uh, we want to be known for resisting the things that make, uh, what was it, resisting the things that make the gospel unnecessarily resistible. The problem is how he defines the word mm-hmm. unnecessarily. Right. Because I don't think truth can be the thing that is unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it, it's just shocking. But, I mean, I say that, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. be. Because we, we have... We've been um, warned. Yeah, we've been yeah. warned that this is coming. But when you actually see it, uh, and you just, you know, I, what I just quoted out of Matthew, and then all of a sudden you have a guy who's actually doing it, and he's deceiving me, and he's teaching people not to observe the commandments. Uh, you know, we can have a debate. Um, I have, and I often have this debate because I run in messianic circles, uh, or you know, that's the, my faith basically. But then when I have um, conversations with friends and, and coworkers and all that kind of stuff who. Um, see things from a traditional view of Christianity, you know, we can have that debate about Sabbath and the feast, and I'll explain to them why it's important us to remember and show them Jesus in them and why we should remember them and not replace them with uh, more modern, different days, pagan days, and days that don't have anything to do with what God said. We can have that debate. But now we're moving, and we're really amplifying here, uh, and he wouldn't agree with what I'm about to say, is... But when you flippantly say these things, then people accept immorality easier. Yes. There's not a conviction. There's not uh, that I – like Mr. Stanley would never say, well, he's condoning homosexuality. Well, he might say that. He's never condoning adultery. Murder. Well, I mean, because Take I mean, the big ones. Yeah, all the big – you know, there's just so many people that are openly accepting homosexuality and transgenderism and all that goofiness today. But they may – they would say, well, no, it's not okay to steal. But yet – well, but didn't the Ten Commandments say yeah. that? 
You know, and, and so it's just but a you're disconnect. liberated from that, don't you know that? Right. There's no. a disconnect from what the Torah is, what the instructions are, what Jesus literally came to do, what Hebrews is talking about when it talks about the covenants changing, the context is talking about the sacrificial system. That's that's what's going on. And what I want to hit here is what he we're talking about with Acts 15 and, if, and what he said about uncoupling from that stuff. Okay. First, I'm going to read in Acts 21. Uh, it, the, in Acts 21, this is when Paul has returned from his third journey after he was out preaching for the last two journeys about what the Jerusalem Council had decided. And so he's going back to all these churches went, that he had started, went to some new churches, and he comes back, and here we have that it says that he's meeting James, right? James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem and arguably the leader of the church as a whole. Um, and so they heard all that was going on that was being done among the Gentiles, and in verse uh, 20 it says that they heard it and they glorified the Lord and they said to him you see brother how many myriads of Jews who have believed and they are zealous for the law that means they are hungry that they are thirsting that they are starving that they are excited about the Torah the instructions of God he's but then James says to Paul but they have heard and been informed that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must meet, and they must hear that you have come. For therefore I will tell you that we have four men who have taken a vow. For those who don't know, that's from number six. That is known as a Nazarite vow. And then he goes on to say, take these men and offer the sacrifices at the temple so that the people will know that what's being said about you is not true. Paul doesn't stop James here and say, you know what, James, Um, I need to enlighten you on the difference between law and grace. Uh, I need to tell you what really, that we no longer under the law, that we don't have to follow those commands. He didn't say that. He said, okay. And he took those four men up to the temple, paid the sacrifices for those guys to complete their Nazarite vow, and did exactly what he's asked so that the men would see that Paul himself is still keeping the law and teaching men to keep the law. And then James addresses, or then Paul says, I will do so. He goes, but we have written for the Gentiles that they don't have to do all of those things, but that we give them the four necessary things, right? And the things uh, polluted by idols from sexual immorality, things strangled in from blood. Okay, that was the four necessary things, and everybody always forgets they never read the next verse. And it says, for Paul... Or for Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. This was the idea that the Gentiles who are coming along are going to hear the law of Moses read in the synagogue. Let's not burden them with all of the commandments right now. You know why? Because the men who were coming out of the idolatrous worship, you know how they worshipped in those temples? It was sexual immorality. Right. And, and they got to pay their tithe by sexual immorality. Right by paganism, by drunkenness. And so you're not going to get these guys to come out of those temples and going, hey, the first step is we gotta we got to get some scissors out, and um, this is how you're going to enter the community. You're not going to get anybody to join. So they, they said, hey, this is how we're going to start. They're going to hear it read in the synagogue, and if they feel compelled, then they'll keep. They'll do more. But they don't have to do it for salvation. Those other people who had gone through that conversion were the ones that stood up and said they have to do this to be saved. Isn't that what we do even today? Yes, we do. Absolutely. I mean, look, a person gets saved, and we call them a babe in Christ because right. they're yep. going to mature in the Word as they read it. Yep. I mean, that's, you know. 
Paul said, hey, I've still given some of you, That's right. you know, milk and, and, and pablum, basically, where you should be right. getting on meat right now. And, and we know the phrase, come as you are. But the last half of that, which was the same today as it was then, was, but don't stay that way. That's right. Yeah, come in, come in however you got to come in. But if your faith does not change you, I would challenge whether or not you've had an actual encounter with Christ. It, it I must agree one hundred percent with what you're saying. The, the, it's so it's just so sad. It uh, it actually upsets me sometimes. I mean, it does make me angry. But I get to the place now, I guess, because I've matured a little bit. Uh, this kind of stuff would have had me wrapped around the axle for several mm-hmm. days. I've it been breaks fuming. your heart now. It does because um, people can be delivered and they can know so much more about their Bible if they get back and they study it in the context and they fully understand the mission that Jesus came to do and who he was and what he said he was going to do and what he's done in people's lives. And when you make the gospel something different than it was intended, when you make him a rebellious son who is doing away with his father's commandments, who's upending everything, who's changing everything, and that's not the case. He came to make perfect that which was prophesied. And I say it this way. What was the perfect fulfillment, which means to make full, to fully understand, to fully grasp of the entire mission? God came to redeem Adam from Adam's covenant that he failed. And he did that through Abraham. And when Abraham, he made a covenant to give him land. And then he gave laws to Moses to govern the people in that land. And then he gave him a covenant to David to give a king who would govern with rules over a land. And the ultimate perfection of that was when Yeshua Jesus came to be the king, the lawgiver, the landowner, and all of it, and then build a kingdom. You cannot have a kingdom without laws or you have lawlessness so this is a complete misunderstanding of what he came to do when he came to establish his kingdom right and and, you know it's one of those things when we talk about when we talk about these things people always want to break it into two covenants right an old testament and a new testament old covenant and new covenant without stopping to think about the fact that there are not two covenants there are at least four and probably closer to five and i challenge them to show me how any of the other covenants i'm i'm pretty sure adam broke that covenant and we still die. And I'm pretty sure that when I look in the sky after a rain, there's still a rainbow there. And I'm pretty sure that the Messiah, who is a descendant of David, is sitting on the throne as David was promised. And he will sit on the throne forever. And by the way, I'm pretty sure my salvation is safe in the Lord. So the only covenant that they want to say has come to an end is the one that's got some rules in it, right? right? Just the rule book part. That part can go away. And before someone accuses me of falsely accusing this man, I want you to hear it directly from his word, from his mouth. Speaking of Paul, Andy says, quote, He immediately let go of God's temporary and conditional covenant with Israel to embrace God's permanent and unconditional covenant with the human race. Did God change his mind? The answer is no. God changed covenants. The first covenant is over. The man did not try to be wishy-washy about it. He flatly stated that God has done away with the Jews and the covenant he had with the Jews to embrace a new covenant. Guess what? If God can do away with the covenant with one group of people, he can do away with the covenant with you as well. That's right. If Christ is not the complete answer, because that's what he's saying, he said maybe God decides we need a second Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's... There is no finality mm-hmm. to what he preaches. Right. Yep. One of the, the analogies I, also, I like to use to help people understand what's really going on with the covenants here. So at different times, in the, you know, once a month, we have something that we call a new moon. 
and there's no moon, right? It's completely black up there. There's no moon. It's Rosh Kodesh in Hebrew. <clears throat> and then there's a little sliver that pops out the next day. And it's we now have the new moon, right? Um, did the old moon get obliterated, and yeah. did God completely remake a new destroy moon? It. It's a new moon. Did he destroy that moon that we couldn't see well, he for a day have. or two and create something completely new and different? Did he make it a little larger, a little smaller, a little brighter, a little dimmer? No. It's the same new moon. Guess what? The word for new there is the same word that's used to describe the new covenant. He renewed, renewed. the covenant that was messed up by the original people that was given it to, not Israel, mankind. And so he made it with better promises, not different laws, but better promises in the sense from the sacrificial system, who the priest, high priest was going to be. That's what's different. It's the same covenant, but it's renewed. Same covenant. All right. We've got to get a break in. When we come back, I, we had a couple of uh, questions. I want to deal with them. We'll pick this subject up again next week. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We're live at the Capitol. We'll be back talking about politics tomorrow starting at 2 o'clock. All right, we've got two questions here. I'm going to give you about two and a half minutes on each. Uh, first one, what does the Bible mean when it tells us pluck out your eyes or to cut off our hands? I've actually heard of people doing such things. Um, this is a teaching method known as Kalkahomer, meaning light and heavy. So use something extreme to make a point. And so he's using this analogy. This uh, it's Christ. Christ is using this point to say, whatever it is that is in your life, you need to remove it in the most extreme situation possible. Get it out of your life. So um, remove yourself from the situation, whatever the case is, so you do not fall short. And, and fall into the grave. I forgot. I tried looking, um, but I can't remember the name. There was actually, I think, a second or third century historian who took those words literally and castrated himself because he was having a problem with his mind. And then he later learned that that was not meant that to be taken literal. literal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and regretted that decision. Right? Regretted that decision. So it re- remove everything from your life that is hindering your walk. All right. Last question. How should I pray specifically for my pastor who has yet to understand the Hebrew nature of uh, Jesus, Yeshua, as uh, Dr. Stewart and Pastor Hess talk about? I don't think it would help for me to just go and tell him all the things I'm learning from you guys right now. Thank you. <laughs> um, as you would always pray for any pastor, you just uh, – I for um, – their mental and spiritual protection. Okay, they're, they're, when you accept that role, um, there is an enormous thing that happens in the spirit realm that when um, uh, comes against their mind, against their family, uh, against almost everything in their life. So first and foremost, you just have to pray uh, for their spiritual protection, but also for revelation. With I'll say it this way. Yes, the way that Pastor Scott and I and Billy and others approach the Scriptures from this Hebraic perspective, because everything that we've studied and everything that we've prayed through and searched and looked in uh, seems to point back in this direction, because it doesn't come from somebody from the 17th or 18th century in their view through English eyes, but what did they mean in the first century? So if you're going to pray for them, just pray for them to get the revelation and, and, and to say specifically, well, that they see it Hebraically, yes, that's how we see it, but we want them to see how it is that God leads them into that. Because if you come to anybody and say, well, I hope that they see it 
Pentecostally or right. methodically or Presbyterianly or Catholically, then they're almost going to be you're presenting them with the idea that they're wrong. And and I try not to present things that way and wrong, but try to show you how it makes more sense. Right. And so really, it's just to pray that the Spirit of God will lead them in that direction. Um, see, I don't even want to say that. I want to say lead them in the direction that he wants them to go because we're still studying and working our way through. We don't sure, have all the sure. answers. I don't have all the answers. I And I, I never want to give that perception. But this, where we're at now, seems to make the most sense in the context and in the light of the gospel of the first century. I pray what I find in the 119th Psalm, um, verses 18 and 19. It says, Open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things in your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. Um, When I'm praying for someone else, that's literally the prayer that I'm praying. Lord, open their eyes. I did not get where I am today simply because someday I picked up my scriptures and said, let me see if I can find something new in here. Um, I got to where I am today because I sought God for truth. Uh, I, I I always want to remain teachable. The moment I become unteachable, um, I also become unuseful because the moment I've decided I've got it all figured out, I should either not be here anymore right. or I'm obviously wrong. Right. So um, I, I pray that in my life, Lord, you know, keep me moldable, keep me teachable, uh, teach me to love the things you love and hate the things you hate. And if you'll pray that for your pastor, and, and I have to say, you can't change him. That's right. Um, you know, even if God opens his eyes, I know men that I'm convinced understand that the things that they're standing in the pulpit and preaching are not 100% truth, but they are highly vested as professional preachers. Mm-hmm. Please understand, uh, small congregations, your preacher has likely got a, a full-time job somewhere. A big church, your pastor is a professional preacher. Um, and if he stands up one day and goes, hey, I've completely changed my mind, he also endangers not only his ministry but his career. Um, so you, you've, got to, you've got to do war spiritually for mm-hmm. him. Be praying. Lord, give him courage. Open his eyes. Let him see. All right, we've got a minute left. When's the time to actually approach him face-to-face? It, it depends on how much access and depends on your pastor. I mean, because yeah. if, if you want to schedule time and say, hey, look, this is what I've been studying. This is what I've been learning. I'd like to get your take on it. And, and maybe from that perspective, uh, maybe I would say during t- times, the big things are like, well, let's talk about during times of what we call Easter, during Passover. Hey, look what right. I learned about Passover during this period of time. And look at look at the connection of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Look at the connection to um, the Passover, the first fruits, um, and unleavened bread, and and those kind of things that will will make uh, what you learn exciting. Yep. That's, that's the way to approach it, not, hey, you're missing something. Don't ever approach anybody with that way. Just look at with an excitement, and if there's a way you can have a door in to do that, then I don't. that depends on every church and every pastor. We're out of time. Next week, uh, Pastor Scott won't be here, but we'll put, uh, continue about Andy Stanley and what he's preaching because he's not the only one doing it. And uh, we'll probably take a third week uh, to clarify it completely and let Scott get in on the conversation as well. Billy, thanks for coming. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's, it takes a special person to go through a strip search, <laughs> and uh, we appreciate you too, Steve. Thanks for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you at 2 o'clock tomorrow. We'll pick it up with what's going on here at the State Capitol on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.